Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I read somewhere online this morning uh, that because of the very mild weather we've been having across the back end of last year, that many of the swallows didn't leg it to Africa or the Canary Islands, wherever it is they go. They stayed around Ireland a lot longer because of, uh, of the, the mild weather. Uh, but Met Aaron gets a bit of a bashing this morning and the examiner, it's uh, uh, people who were complaining or cribbing about inaccurate Met Aaron forecasting and the inability to spell words like lightning, where they spelt lightning instead, by all accounts. They're figuring that the Met Office know to spell that word. But just the inaccuracies of, inaccuracies of it, whether it's uh, the broadcasted forecast or indeed the app, People quoting things like the app is all morning saying that it'll be sunny, but it's raining where I am. Another one, it's raining all day. The forecast was for 23 degrees and sunny. I suggest you upgrade your system. So they got a bit of a bash in this morning with regards to... It's very difficult for a countrywide forecast, you see, unless you get right down into specific areas where you can target it more. It's very hard to give a generalised forecast for four provinces, really, to be honest with you. But the papers this morning are also trying to forecast as to what the weeks ahead, and indeed, to be quite honest with you, what the days ahead will be like, because the schools are due to open uh, tomorrow, uh, and principals are warning that whole classes might have to be sent home as soon as they open uh, for a lot of different reasons, but the main one, of course, staff short Shortages. Uh, so it's a front page of making the mail this morning. Schools must be opened, but there's many buts and caveats with uh, positive case numbers yesterday coming in at just over 21,000, but ICU numbers holding steady. Uh, now bear in mind as well that there's extra pressure on our hospital systems because this time last year they were doing very little apart from COVID. Many things within hospitals were cancelled, but they put their foot to the pedal now and they're trying to get through a lot of other things in hospitals now besides COVID these days, so they are under pressure. Uh, but Aaron Wolf, the Cork Secondary School principal, makes the front of the echo today, saying that, uh, yeah, secondary schools will open as directed, but students could be sitting there with free classes, he said, because of an absence of teachers. And he actually says, might have a call with him later on this morning, because he says that we should, you know, this, he said that um, there'll, there'll be a lot of absenteeism this week, not just teachers, but students as well. And we know that particularly in primary schools, um, a lot of parents kept kids out of school the back end of, of last year. Um, and I'm wondering also as to whether or not people would agree with uh, Aaron Wolf, where he says that there should be a short circuit breaker introduced. Now, a short circuit breaker would be not to reopen the schools, I suppose, uh, for a period of time. But shops as well are having issues with staff. And you see how the economics of this are really bearing down on us. Now, COVID's an issue for sure, but it's an insustainable situation, the unsustainable situation that we find ourselves in because people can't go to work and shops can't open. I mean, it was, uh, it was, we were chatting this morning about numbers within on post and postal delivery staff, those that deliver your post on Leaside. There's 209 of them in total and 73 of those are out uh, with COVID or close contacts of COVID. And also some of the papers this morning are reporting of post offices uh, being closed. And I was in town yesterday uh, walking around the city and doing a few bits and bobs and I saw signs in the windows of pharmacies saying that they're sold out of antigen kits. So that's uh, that's what we've got and that's why they need to make changes, particularly with close contacts who've been doubly vaxxed and boosted. So the Echo this morning talks of some of the super value chain of shops, which is owned by Liam Ryan. He's got uh, four super value values and three of them in Cork, Toker, Glanmire, Grange and another in Limerick and they're considering shortening their opening hours in Cork due to extreme staff shortages caused by COVID, either those that have tested positive or their close contacts. So more on that a little later on this morning but the end is in sight 
it really and truly is. And we see that again in the papers this morning where the Independent is saying that um, those that have you know, double vaxxed and boosted uh, who are close contacts won't have to isolate, won't have to do anything. Just get on with your life and wear a mask. So that's kind of interesting, makes the independent today. And that's what's being talked about in government circles at the moment. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, unfortunately, the Panto at the Aladdin, at, uh, sorry, the Aladdin Panto at the Everyman has had to cancel a few performances due to COVID. I hope they get back soon and uh, keep smiles on people's faces. And you heard in the news there, there's murder down in Australia because uh, Novak Djokovic has got himself um, an exemption, a medical exemption. He never has admitted as to whether he got vaccinated or not. He refuses to say. Uh, I don't know if he's got any particular medical condition that would allow him, um, um, you know, some kind of medical uh, exemption. But he's got one nonetheless. And Australians aren't happy with it themselves because of what they went through over the past couple of years. Some of the most uh, stringent rules and regulations with regards to COVID anywhere in the world. But he's a big ticket item, and I suppose, and they want him playing. But others would say rules are rules. Interestingly, the examiner says that 30% of people who smoke smoked more during the pandemic. And I suppose there's a few different reasons why that happened. And a couple of interesting court reports. One fellow says that he was going to punch the head off a doctor at the Mercy Hospital. That's a story that makes the echo today. And another fellow broke his back when he was trying to burgle a house. Um, he, he thought that um, he might uh, get a bit of sympathy from Judge Olin Kelleher, but it didn't happen. Uh, apparently, he was jumping out of the house when he was burgled in an upstairs, win- upstairs window. Misfortunately, as the judge said, the woman who owns the house, a mother of three, came home to see her place being burgled. Obviously, I imagine she dialed 999 and stuff like that, but your man was already serving a four-year sentence for drug dealing and in 82 convictions, many for burglary and assault. And uh, Olin Keller says, there's no stopping this man. He continues to burgle, assault and sell drugs. So I think he was um, um, not necessarily, he wasn't actually in court, but was there by video link apparently. And Judge Olin Keller gave him an overall increase in his sentence of 10 months in spite of his broken back and chronic pain, uh, he was having none of it. Apparently, he jumped out the upstairs window of a house just as the owner was coming home. And, home and he, I think she heard him saying, I, I think I've broken my leg. I think I've broken my leg. It wasn't his leg at all uh, that this uh, character broke. It actually was his back, apparently. And then, of course, we had the woman who fell from uh, Blarney Castle. and was chatting with her on air yesterday morning here, Mary Cronin from Whitechurch. And many people came to her aid, including uh, Red FM's Kira Revens. That makes many of the papers today, including the Echo. And with regards to the changes on minimum pricing for alcohol, uh, two different things are being reported on this morning. One is that more and more people are going to engage in, in, in home brewing their own hooch, whether that's beer or wine or spirits. And of course, others then will leg it to the north. Much more difficult for us because we're so far away from it. But people in border counties, even Dublin apparently, you know, you're half an hour to the border and maybe even less. And it's at least a quarter of the price cheaper north of the border. So the papers are saying many people will do that. They're also reporting in the news today of a woman once dubbed as the world's youngest self-made female billionaire. At one stage, her bank account had four and a half billion dollars in it. Um, But it's been found out now that all of that was just a puff of smoke. She came up with a a machine that could be put into pharmacies and doctor surgeries and everything. And just with a tiny few drops of blood from a finger prick, she could, her machine could blood test for all sorts of different uh, illnesses, ailments, possible complications in your life. Whole thing turned out to be, as I say, a pop, a, pop, a puff of smoke. She faced jail yesterday. Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, she was de- de- she was deemed at the time to be the next Steve Jobs, and it goes to show how easily 
investors can be duped, particularly in the Silicon Valley world, because she duped them out of billions of euro. Going to go to jail now, and apparently they figure for up to maybe 80 years. Andrew makes the papers today, Prince Andrew that is. I don't know whether he really does sweat or not, but he's sweating at the moment, whether it's visual or not, because uh, a judge is just about to trample on his plans uh, to try and protect him from the civil rape case against uh, Virginia Jeffrey. So that makes the front of the mirror today. Uh, and if you um, are a collector of old money, and I've no absolute reason in the whole wide earthly world why I would ever want to give back a beautiful old Irish pound or the beautiful old Irish pound coin, if I had one, and I think I have one or two. I'd want to hold on to them because they're beautiful pieces of currency. But apparently there's 350 million euro worth of it in old money jars around the house or maybe stuck under the seat or the sofa. Uh, and the national, sorry, nearly said the national lottery. Don't even start me on that. But the central bank are saying that they'll still take them back and you can still convert them from old tender to new tender. But would you? I mean, you want to hold on to things like that. I mean, no, I'm not saying if you've got a suitcase load of the stuff. I mean, you give that back probably. But a few of them, hold on to them. Beautiful pieces of Irish nostalgia. And apparently we eat more fruit and vegetables than any other people in Europe, according to the Mirror Today, which is good as we head into the new year and new you. And if you were considering an electric car for the first time ever, they have now got an electric car battery that will take you from the southern tip of England to the northern tip of Scotland on one charge. It's 620 miles without ever needing to stop to top up. It's not a Tesla. It's a Mercedes-Benz. So you'll probably pay a big price for it. And Roy Keane was on Lee side yesterday. Spent a lot of time at home over Christmas, I think. Went to see his mam and that was photographed in the papers yesterday. But today, he's at uh, photographed at uh, Cork Penny Dinners because they opened their new centre. I was up there actually when it was just an absolute shell of a warehouse. Now it has been, been, convert, has been converted into the most beautiful. They call it the Wellness Centre. Cree on Lee. Uh, and Keno was on Lee side yesterday to officially open it and there's love photographs of that making the echo. The Neil Prenderville Show. And our new phone lines are open on 0818 So I don't want to be the doom and gloom merchant, far from it, but one of the big issues now as we head into the new year is staff shortages, and I've told you about that, and it's making the papers this morning. You'll notice it in places where you go, even delivery of posts, they're under fierce pressure. Uh, but I was mentioning yesterday the amount of establishments who've decided just to stall the ball for January, and I read out a whole list of them yesterday. And there's a lot of different reasons. January's going to be quiet anyway. And for many, uh, it'll be a kind of a drier January, particularly, I suppose, in regards to pubs. But a lot of it has to do with staff and people testing positive and just not being able to get people to come to work. So I said I'd just pop back to that again this morning. Uh, and Duncan's at the Briar Rose. Duncan, good morning. Hi, hi Neil. Uh, Blair's in, actually. Neil. Sorry, my apologies. It says the Briar Rose here. Sorry, Blair. I saw you online, actually, there over the <laughs> weekend, saying that you were just going to... You don't know what's coming down the track you're just going to see how it goes because it's yeah. ever evolving. But what have you, like many others, decided to do? Well, we're, we decided now to go um, Friday to Sunday, uh, takeaway only. Um, we, I suppose, we're, we're this. We started a Blair's Out thing there back in March 2020, just due to necessity. The first lockdown, um, just started um, takeaways, and we got a massive response from our locals, and uh, that that's been going. That was going very well, and um, I suppose that became. A, we we kept that up all through, even when we were open for the last last, last six months. Yeah, um, it's been kind of a, it's running in tandem with her. It's worked very well with uh, people dining in, and when we we're quieter for in the quieter periods, we we roll up the takeaway. Yeah, I know it was a great string that. to your bow when you managed to get open again. But it was, no, look, no matter what you look at this, it's a step back, isn't it, Duncan? 
Yeah, I suppose it is a small bit. I, I, it, it feels wrong to, to step back. But I suppose what we're doing is we're taking the practice, we're just taking a look at it. Um, the, 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 in an actual fact, it's become a, it's become about eighty percent of our business there. Last week, for instance, we just did a huge number of takeaways. Even when um, you were open, yeah, when yeah. we were open, yeah, and the ta- and you can see cancellations were rolling in as well. And there's also the issue then you have your staff and you don't know who's going to be in close contact with, and that's that's a concern as well, you know. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just it's it's um, we're, we're, what we're looking to do is just um, really concentrate on the takeaways and make them as good as we can. Like we we had a we got a pizza oven there um, over the summer, and we're going to start doing the wood fire pizzas again. We're going to start. Um, I don't know, we might do, we'll make it, we'll make it as special as possible. For instance, we're doing lobster at one stage, we'll do seafood platters again. We'll do, we'll keep our pheasant and our venison and just try and make it as nice as possible. Actually, to be quite, to, you know, to be fair to you, when you put it up on, I think I saw it maybe on Twitter or Instagram, you yeah. got some great responses from customers who love your food. That must be really heartening to see. It is, yeah, and um, <laughs> that's, that's been the major thing actually, because when we, when we were, I suppose, when we first did takeaway, sure, we didn't know how it was going to go. It was like a shot in the dark, and um, there's a kind of a, when you when you come into the pub, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's low ceilings. Years ago, years ago. Yeah, yeah. just just a kind of a. There's a as someone said to me one time, there's magic in the walls. There's a lovely feel to it, you know. Yeah. And, somebody um, told me you do a great roast on a Sunday, and then somebody else yeah. was texting me last week saying that you also because I was wondering did anybody do corned beef and cabbage anymore? <laughs> I hear you do that as well. <laughs> we do, yeah, yeah, and um, although not not as much lately because. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. But you know the way you can get you can get bacon and cabbage a lot, but harder to get corned beef and cabbage. Yeah. But what will I mean? Will this impact on any staff then, or anything like that? Yeah, we're keeping as many as we can. And anyway, I think um, yeah, basically we've we've we're kind of we're down to a smaller crew anyway because of just the way it is. But um, yeah, we we're we're keeping as many as we can. And like it's going to like the full the kitchen crew will be going full tilt. Um, like we're prepping now to or tomorrow early. For to start again on Friday, so um, my chefs are coming on board again. Um, I've, um, yeah, there's, we'll, we tend to be very busy, Neil. You know, I know it's like it, 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 it seems like a step back, but um, I'm looking to ramp it up. To be honest, you know, I'm, I'm like when we hit the, we're looking to hit the hit it on Friday. Really, just ready to run, basically. And yeah, no, I mean you have you know? to you have to adapt. What about those who like to pop in for just a sup or a pint? They'll be disappointed, I suppose. They will. They will. Um, no, Richard was saying I was talking a few locals might come in for a drink or two, you know, might like the first of them, but um it's um no it's 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 just not very practical read the staff this fully and we're just not we're not ready to um we just we just can't see how it's going to pan out and that's the sad thing. That's it, us. yeah, I know. We yeah. love people. We're yeah. people people, you know. Yeah. And um yeah, we're just, we're looking forward, like everybody else. To and are you hearing of other colleagues who are doing likewise? I gave out a bit of an old list yesterday morning. Yeah. Amongst them, of course, was something quite similar to your model. Would be yeah. the White Horse and Balancolic, for instance. Yeah, yeah I, 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 Joe, I think he's taking a week off this week. All right, um, I do, is he talking about? I don't know what he's. Are about. you hearing of others who are going to just say, "Listen, we'll just yeah. stall the ball for January"? Is that is There's that a lot of them? I know Kevin and Sage. You know, he's, he's he's taking a week as well, um, just to decide. Um, yeah, that's it. Really, we're just trying to um, we're just trying to see what it pans out, and but we're determined not to stop. If you know what I mean, we don't want to to stop. Yeah, well, if the if the vast majority of your business has been takeout, then that's the thing to concentrate on, I suppose. It is, you yeah. know, you know, because yeah, we, we like and, we, and, and special as well. And 
just as special as we can. And yeah. um, it'd be great to get out of all of this, wouldn't it? Hopefully, in the well, not too. Neil, I'm sure. Look, like everybody else out there, we're sick of it, you know. But um, at the same time, unfortunately, it's not sick of us yet, you know. Yeah, I know. So we have to get yeah. on with it. But it's a good move, though, if they talk about people who have been doubly vaxxed and boosted. If they're a close contact, they won't have to isolate anymore. They might have to wear masks more often. But other than that, you know, it's a step in the right direction. It's a positive anyway. At least it's something. It is. It is because, um, like, um, it, there was a lot of confusion over there the last few weeks just with staff members because they're, they're, they're double jabbed while they're being boosted and they're wondering what, what to do next. Well, they, they isolate for the... They isolate, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that might change. And it could change in the coming days because of I reasons like, like we're discussing, yeah. actually. Staff, not being able to get staff right across yeah. different industries. Okay, so uh, so if people are interested in your local area, let them know then, says you, that you're open Friday to Sunday for takeout. Uh, it, all bets are off, but it's full steam ahead. See it's where it goes. Ahead, Neil, yeah. yeah, and uh, watch this space like you and many other businesses maybe around the back end of January. So people can book online, I guess. Not a bother. They, uh, they can email us at blairsin at gmail.com or phone us um, and from Friday morning onwards. Uh, so. At our phone number, 021 All the best. Well done, Duncan. Neil, thanks for the opportunity. Not at all, pal. Mind Thank yourself. You. See you soon when all this craziness is over. That's uh, an example of what's happening in more and more establishments. Not just hospitality, as I say. Lots of other businesses as well are feeling the pinch and our schools also. You can text 0868 104 106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And you can email neil at redfm.ie and i get through some of those emails in a little while. But I'm just keen to talk to Noreen. Noreen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you. Don't sound the best. Fully vaccinated since June. Got a booster on the 10th of November. How are you feeling now, COVID positive? I'm feeling, I'm feeling unwell, Neil. Yeah, you sound it. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling quite unwell. But what prompted me really to uh, text the show was the fact that um, public health are thinking about shortening isolation periods for close contacts, people who are boosters. That's right. And I've got to think, and, and I have to say, really, I think that is crazy public health advice. I'm pro-vaccine and I'm pro-booster, but it still did not prevent me from getting COVID. No, nor nor me either. Like, I'm this, many of us like, double-vaxxed and boosted, but yet we have to go through all of the protocols because we don't want to get uh, COVID, because you can, yeah. Absolutely, but why would public health be shortening isolation barriers for booster people? Um, It would be, say, for instance, a close contact, right? Um. And you're, if you're a close contact of somebody with COVID, and this is what they're proposing, and you're double vaxxed and you have had your booster and you have no symptoms, mm-hmm. then you can go about your business. Well, that's fair enough. If you, if you are doing your antigen check as per public health, uh, 48 hours um, um, in, in, in gap of each other, you still have to antigen check. You would still have to antigen check if you were a close contact. Yeah, yeah. Following public health. But I think that that information is not going out there. I think the fact that they are saying that you're fully vaccinated, you're boosted, you know, you don't have to isolate as long as everyone else. I don't think it's correct. No, you don't have to isolate at all. You don't have to. But you see, the big problem here now is, um, is work, employment, businesses, Staff shortages, uh, you know, and up to I, and up to and including emergency services and hospital staff not being able to go to work because they're close. So they'd be close contacts of somebody. They themselves are double 
vaxxed and boosted and they have no symptoms and they can't go to work. I know that, Neil, I know that, but they are not risk-free going to work. But they would wear a mask everywhere, even outdoors, in public. Well, fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll agree. I, I agree with that. I agree. I've always agreed with public yeah. health advice. Yeah. Wash your hands, wear your mask and keep your two metres. You, and you, you still think that's a bad idea? I think that everybody should be aware um, of the fact that if you're fully vaccinated and you're boosted, you are not um, and follow all public, you're still not, um, because I would have followed all public health advice, um, you're still not immune from the virus. Yeah, I know, but at some stage, we start to, we need to start making baby steps back, you know? I know that, Neil, I know that, I know that, I just, I just wanted to make the point Oh, sure, I know. I mean, you're, and you're, enti- and you're, you're entitled to it. We're not super people because we're boosted. Yeah. You know, we're not, um, if, if I was walking around with just double vaccinated and no booster, would I be any different to somebody that was boosted from a close contact? Well, the, the rule there would be different for somebody who's double vaxxed and not boosted. I know it's so confusing. Double vaxxed and not boosted and a close contact of a COVID positive, you would have to... Uh, restrict and isolate, uh, restrict your movements for uh, five days and take three antigen tests. Yeah, you see, that, that, uh, it, it's very confusing, Neil. It's very confusing. Oh, listen, I, I find it very, it very across, confusing. Yeah. The way it came across this morning was that because you were vaccinated and boosted, you may not have to self-isolate for as long as somebody who wasn't. I don't think that that is correct because I'm sitting here fully vaccinated boosted and I have COVID. And how bad is it? You sound as if you're chesty. I have a cough. I've, it's classic. It's just classic. Sore throat, dry eyes, dry cough um, and uh, and um, yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. It'll pass, it'll pass quickly though. It's, it, hopefully Neil, hopefully I'm three days in now and hopefully, hopefully there isn't too much longer in it. Alright girl, mind yourself and thanks for being part of the programme, appreciate your thoughts. No problem, um, no problem. If you want, yeah, if you want I can just give you an update. These, this is a bit of an explainer, it's the rules around self-isolation and restricting your movements. Now, I'll try not bog you down with, uh, you know, too much information. Um, if you've tested positive uh, with a booster vaccine, uh, booster more than say a week ago and you've tested positive as you've got to set, you got to isolate for seven days. Um, if you were boosted less than a week ago, then you have to isolate for 10 days. Already it's getting confusing, isn't it? Uh, if you're positive and vaccinated without a booster, um, there's other subsections to that. Vaccinated with no booster, isolate for 10 days. Vaccinated with no booster and COVID within the last three months, isolate for seven days. Yeah, here I am. It's even getting confusing even reading this out. I think I'd probably even make things worse than better. Uh, I think what we should really try and look at now is, um, you know, what the proposed changes will be rather than look at all of the different, because there's sorts of different contacts text here. They've got somebody who's vaccinated, not boosted. You have somebody who's vaccinated and boosted. You have somebody who's vaccinated and boosted and positive. You have somebody who's vaccinated and boosted and a close contact. So you've got all sorts of different subsections to it. Um, I was going to go through all of the different subsections of it, but there's just way too much. I might come back to it a little later on, but your calls and comments are welcome. Meanwhile, for those of you that like to go overseas and do things like that, Paddy, good morning. 
Good morning. You hear me all right, yeah? I can indeed. Oh man, I got um, I got your your email right with regards to trying to fly here, there, and other where, other where. You, you, you sound yeah. quite angry. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's, it's it's a bit of an irritation now. If you want to travel, yeah, you do anything and, else if you're unvaccinated. And all, okay. You know? And the rules that you're talking about with regards to Ryanair would that also yeah. apply, say, for instance, to an Aer Lingus flight? Yeah, the same kind of things. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, no matter where you go, you're. Um, you know, you have to jump through quite a lot of hoops. And do you have to jump through particular hoops um, because you, you you didn't get the vaccine, is it? Um, yeah. You, you, you see, uh, you know, I have travelled, you, you know, despite this, despite this... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you, how do, you do that? Where have you gone? And, um, Spain, usually. Right. You know, for a break now and then. And uh, there's no problem getting into Spain, you see, you, you know, the... Um, Antigen test was 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 quite enough, you know, a fresh antigen test. Um, it's just the last time that I was down there, the, the rules changed to while you're there, you see, and um, you, an antigen test to come back into the country again, yeah. into Ireland. Yeah. And they've changed it now to a PCR test. Yeah. But it's the way the way <laughs> the way it's done. You, you know, it, it it doesn't look as though when you're traveling that the emphasis is on trying trying to control a virus. Yeah, it looks more like a big money spinner. That's how you know people are making money out of this. Because why? Because it's not an antigen which is cheaper. It's now a PCR which is dearer. Is it? it yeah, the, you know the PCR uh, costs quite a bit more. What I found funny about it was the PCR. You see, because uh, you know while the last trip while I was down there, I, I phoned around um, with the intention of taking an antigen test again. By the way, I take antigen tests regularly. Or once a week, yeah. And I've been, you know, just just for the record, I've been negative all the time. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play. But um, so I uh, I did did that again, you know. But of course, it was over the Christmas period, so uh, basically nothing was nothing was open, you know. I couldn't get any tests, any uh, pharmacy or anything like that that was open. That, in Spain, you know, is it? Get me the test in Spain. Yeah. Whereabouts was it? Tenerife or something like that? It was Tenerife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the other thing. So I phoned the airport, and they said, "Yeah, no problem. They do it at the airport." And uh, I was told that I could have the result within an hour. And I, I kind of reacted. I said, I can have a result for a PCR test within an hour. That was the information I was given over the phone. Yeah. So I thought no more of it. Went to the airport early enough, you know. And um, there was a queue. And the queue was, um, it took about an hour, you know, in the queue. That's not an exaggeration. We went in the queue. I thought they were going to do a PCR test then when I got to the end of the queue. But when I got to the end of the queue, it was a... Uh, um, uh, they were going to make an appointment for a PCR test, and the, uh, I said, "Well, <laughs> I can make an appointment. I got to get a flight." You know, <laughs> you thought it was going to be time. there and then in the queue, yeah, yeah, in the queue, yeah. But then um, they said, "Yeah, but we, you know, you have to just fill in all the forms to make the appointment, and we we'll give you an appointment straight away." And I thought, hmm, that kind of that kind of silly, you know. But fair enough. I said, okay, right. Well, I filled in all the paper, and then they gave me an appointment immediately. Right. Okay. And was that for a quick turnaround result? Yeah, that was. They said that that was it. I was thinking I was going to get the result for this a quick turnaround for within an hour, and they said no, we'd have the result then, and we'd email it to you in, within twelve hours. It's just no good. So did you think? Did you think about what you were going to do next? And that it would cost seventy euro. Well, I reacted to that and said, uh, you know. That's not going to work because hopefully in 12 hours time I'll be sitting at home uh, with a coffee in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then they said that I could pay 29 
29.75, I think, extra, and then I could get the result within two hours. Which is what you had to do. Which is what I had to do, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, people, in that case, if they can do results within two hours, I remember not too far back, you had to wait three days or something. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. 12 hours, but you can also have it within two hours. So my first reaction is then is, you know, why aren't all PCR test results sent within two hours then? I guess they prioritise it for the extra money, you see. That's capitalism for you, I suppose. Exactly, that's what it looks like, because you, you, if, if 12, you can have your result within 12 hours for 70 euro, and you can have your result within two hours for 99 euro 75. And, um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think it's about a virus, <laughs> you know, this type of... This type of carry-on. You were also making the point that uh, there's no reason in the wide earthly world why planes aren't full. Um, yeah, again, you know, I, I mean, when you think of it, uh, we queued up there, everybody that was there that was getting on that flight had to do either an antigen test, it, it, they would be, the people that were fully vaccinated would have to do an antigen test, those that were unvaccinated would have to do a PCR test, and then they all go on to the, the same airplane. Yes. And wear masks the whole trip. Okay. Now, my question to that is: everybody that's got on that aircraft has just been tested negative for COVID nineteen. Yet they all have to sit for four hours with masks on their face. Yeah, but you might have somebody on the plane who had um, um, uh, a medical cert for you know a, a medical condition where they wouldn't have to get the vaccine. You know, where they wouldn't have to get the vaccine, so they could have COVID. Yeah, that's right. I would think yeah, that maybe that could be a problem. That, yeah. But that goes for everybody that has a, a vaccine passport. They could all have COVID. Well, yeah, but well, yeah, well, well, actually, you're right because even those who didn't take the vaccine would have had an antigen or a PCR at the airport. So the point being that everybody on that plane um, is COVID free, so there will be no need for masks, and the planes could be full. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't see the. the, the I mean, yes, okay, it's there and we can contract this thing whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. But what my point is, is that it, it seems to be, on top of that, we seem to have, uh, it's being used a lot um, to make money plain and simple as well. I mean, these companies that are there in the, you know, in the airports, I mean, let's face it, they must be cleaning up. They must be cleaning up and you, you think it's one hell of a big money maker for big pharma. Yeah. That's what, that's what it looks like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, um, when, you, when were you last in Tenerife? Uh, I came back on the 27th. Of December? December uh, just a couple was of it years. quiet there? Uh, yeah, it was quiet. Well, you know, it's a quiet time of the year anyway. Yeah, yeah. Quiet season. But um, they don't have the vaccine passport enforcement there, you know? It's just the mask wearing and, uh, and that when you're indoors. So, so there's no requirement in Tenerife whatsoever and maybe other parts of the Canaries, I don't know, uh, to show a vaccine cert or a COVID pass no. to go into a bar or restaurant? No. Okay. No. But, and so you're inside in the restaurant with no mask on, no bother? No bother, no. And they don't know that you're not vaccinated? No. And no. they don't care? They don't seem to be as worried about it as we are, you know, they don't seem to be as, as, as terrified of it. Now, you, you walk into a shop and that, and it's... Actually, if you try, try the window without a mask, they'll pull you up on a... Ah, yeah, I understand that, yeah. No, Things I just like see, that. just there's a text here yeah. saying that under no circumstances whatsoever should I ever interview or put anybody on the air who's unvaccinated and travelling around the Canaries. Oh, uh, yeah, where'd that come from? Uh, it's, uh, it's just a text. I just wondered what you thought about yeah. that. Yeah, 
no, no, I don't agree with that. I, I'm, as I say, you know, this, it, we have this, and it's, it, it's people can contract it and they can spread it. And it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's documented. You can do that whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. So I, I'd be more towards that doing regular tests in that case. Mm, mm. You know, rather than, 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 I mean, literally shutting down a whole, um, uh, shutting, shutting down a whole country. Uh, and and affecting um, businesses and finances and the, you know the the whole country because because of this, where it could still continue to work if it was done another way. I don't I, I don't agree with the the uh, measures that this government has taken that they've gone overboard on everything. You know, I mean, it's really I mean, just look around us the mess that everything is in at this stage. We've curfews. Yes, we're no better off than any other country. In, in that sense, when it comes to the court. Well, in some ways we are, in some ways we aren't. I mean, you know, you talk about the curfews, you're referring to the eight o'clock in the pubs and uh, and what have you. But at the same time, yeah. it's the hospital numbers and the ICU yeah. that people want to keep an eye on, you know? Yeah. I mean, look... See, and also, uh, I, in spite yeah. of you not being vaccinated, it would seem that the vaccination and the booster program is keeping a handle on the amount of people ending up in ICU. Yeah. Okay. That 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 now that's another issue that when you go back to, to ICU and our hospitals are overwhelmed. I've always been a disappointment. Our hospitals were overwhelmed long before COVID ever came in. And I mean the fact now that uh, the hospitals can't cope. You know, we don't have enough beds, we don't have enough staff, we don't have enough of, of this. I mean it, all this has been blamed on people who are not vaccinated. They're the scapegoat for this. That it's their fault. You know, that we're spreading the virus all over the place. And so that the hospitals can cope. Two years we're into this now. And has this government put any extra staff, extra beds, everything extra, everything that would be, you think that would be the first step they would take, knowing that we've, we've a pandemic? Well, then we got, okay, we got a hundred extra uh, ICU beds in the last two years, but that clearly is way short of the mark. <laughs> exactly, right. one hundred, you know? I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just not enough. So, I mean, but in other words, what they've done, done instead of that, they've, they've just shut down the whole economy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, put people out of, out, of, out of business and everything like this. It's, it's just the wrong way to do it. Let me get some texts on that. Mind yourself. Yeah. Take care, Paddy. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, I'll come back to that in a few minutes' time, if you don't mind. I just want to take a quick break. Come back to Jerry, if you can hold on. Just two seconds. <laughs> If you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number, 0818-104-106. Please hang up and try again. Cork's Red FM. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. And back to the phone lines we go. Jerry, good morning. Morning, okay, Hello. just picking up on something I mentioned earlier on, creches, schools, primary, secondary, things like that. Go ahead. And uh, there was a dog actually as well last week somewhere in the country. But anyway, I made a bit. A of dog what? It had COVID, I think, there last week. It was on the, on the newspaper, you know. Okay. But uh, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, but anyway, I think I might have a bit of interest, you know, uh, crashes, uh, you know, workplaces. I get to the point, uh, no matter how young, old, uh, rich, poor, or ethnic group, black, white, it don't matter. It's COVIDism, I think, 
and we're all compromised, you know. Everyone is jeopardized. It's the greatest equalizer in, this, on, in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, this we know, and, uh, you know... The point being, are you are you happy with the way it's been handled? Are you happy with where we're at now? Are you happy with businesses not being able to get staff to go to work now because they're close contacts? The public sector is collapsing, you know, globally. You know, the public sector is collapsing completely. The nurses absenteeism, you know, and they can't get replacements. Um, you know, what's becoming of the world, right? You know, and what are your suggestions with regards to that? Um... My suggestion is, uh, it's a very tough question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just uh, to give my opinion, I suppose, uh, flights should be uh, resumed for the unvaxxed. You know, my wings have been clipped. Uh, okay, oh, okay, so you never bothered with the vaccine, no? Uh, no, to die in says be true. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, the, the Nimrod system gave me wings to fly and then took away the sky with the same coronavirus. It's, she was a narcissist. She was a saint. Right. Okay, all right. Listen, it's not a great phone line, Jerry, but um, I'll, I'll come back to you again if I can increase the, the volume on it and clean it up a little bit. But thanks for the call nonetheless. Quite an amount of people actually texting with regards to uh, false positive antigens. I know uh, coronavirus dominates everything from... Hopefully, um, you know, things will change in the coming weeks. But there is a particular brand called, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Genru. It's spelled G-E-N-R-U-I. Uh, and they're being sold in a number of Cork supermarkets. Uh, Anna says, just wondering if you've heard. Yes, I have heard. Uh, you're not alone on this, Anna. On New Year's Eve, we were due to celebrate at my sister's after having a terrible Christmas. My husband took two of those tests. And after a while, a positive result emerged. We had to cancel everything. What a nightmare Christmas and New Year we've had. Like a lot of families, I'm sure. But we were, uh, we were suspicious because he felt perfectly fine and had more or less been cocooning. So we went and got other antigens, including the Samsung ones. He was negative in those and all other tests since. We then went online and saw that hundreds of people are getting false positives from these Genru tests. It, to it looks like the second line comes up after about 20 minutes in the window in which you've done the test. In my husband's case, the second line showed up after about a half an hour. Anyone else had the same experience as us? Many, actually. Uh, there was a doctor there recently who said that uh, she had received hundreds of messages through her Instagram about the Genru antigen test. When PCR was available, there seemed to have been a lot of false positives with these kits, she was saying. Uh, and then somebody else got in touch with Lidl and told Lidl, you have a problem with your Genru biotech COVID tests, rampant false positives. Had three in my family on Monday. Uh, PCR tests were all negative, even though the Genrus showed positive. Look at Twitter for lots of other reports um, and many others saying you, sh saying you shouldn't use that brand at all. Anyway, I just mentioned it. Um, I think there's an investigation now uh, by the health authority into the Genru antigen test because they give both uh, a positive and a negative within the space of 20 minutes to half an hour. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. Uh, Lauren, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are, are you? Are you due now or maybe in the next week uh, pregnant? Uh, yeah, in, I'm going in for um, a C-section on Friday. So okay, well, good luck I'm, with that. I'm about to pop, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what's your worry? Um, so, well, to be honest, it was I just recovered from COVID um, a few days ago. I had COVID over Christmas. Right. <clears throat> now, just kind of thought I could give a perspective from like 
a pregnant person's point of view. Please do. Um, and somebody who's fully vaccinated. So I was vaccinated last August. Um, my husband's fully vaccinated. We have a one-year-old as well. And every, like we've been very fortunate that we haven't had any symptoms. We really haven't had any close contacts. And Christmas Eve, I started to feel my nose was a little bit stuffy, um, which, you know, it's the season. I figured that was normal. And that night, it was just downhill so fast. It was, for me, it was kind of like the flu and bronchitis mixed together. Um, very lucky that my husband and my son, they didn't get anything. Yeah. Um, they Their antigen tests were negative the entire time. My antigen test came back positive immediately. But trying to get a PCR test is a disaster. There's nothing available. I know, I know. And you would kind of think, like, at the time I was just over 37 weeks. I was almost 38 weeks pregnant. I couldn't get in touch with even just trying to call South Doc, trying to call my GP, trying to get in touch with anybody. I, I, I couldn't. So they weren't able to get me a PCR test until Wednesday the following week. You weren't, did you try the likes of Rand, uh, Randox? Did you try the people yes. at the airport and things like that? So I ended up going private. I called um, the Bonds in Tralee on Monday and they were like, just come in right now. We'll get it straightened out for you. I said, yeah. great. So I got there, um, paid my 80 euro got the test done and then they texted me the next day saying that I was positive so I had to go into CUMH and be monitored um, they did end up keeping me overnight but if you wait until a PCR test through the HSC I'm, I could have who you know who, it's kind of it's a little bit scary because who knows what could have happened CUMH wouldn't see me until I had a positive PCR test yeah yeah, yeah. and do you think and, there's many like you in the same scenario yeah yeah, I know trying to get a test is is tough. I know um, a lot of my coworkers that we were messaging over Christmas and their antigens were coming back positive and we all work from home. And that's the other thing. Like, I don't, I work, I have, I'm on maternity now, but I work from home before that. I really don't go anywhere at this point. Uh, my husband's work, they, you know, monitor them when they come in, they check their temperature. And he was fine. I mean, whether or not he was asymptomatic and we just didn't know. Yeah, but why? Did, am I getting a sense of guilt or blame here? You're not guilty or to blame for anything. It's it's just a virus that you got, you know? Okay, for some it will be very, very, very serious. But there's no one to blame here. It's just, it's no, just... no, no. It was more just... Well, no, when you say I was, I didn't go anywhere, I didn't do anything. Like, you know... Oh, no, I, I mean that in the sense that I have no idea where it came yeah, from. Well, you know, it's like you know that somebody had it, and it, it's not obviously, like, it seems like everybody's getting it at this point. Yeah. It's more of a confusion when you're, you think that you're doing everything right, and I wasn't able to get boosted just because of how far along I am in my pregnancy. That was the plan after the baby came. But it's crazy that you can be doing everything correct, correct i'm using air quotes yeah and you can still end up getting it now i was very lucky that i did have to be kept overnight because my my oxygen levels were were low um but everything is okay everything's fine with the baby i'm doing fine now uh, but it you know it's just it's scary and there's no i mean you're like what what will the situation be when you go into say is it the cumh Yes. Okay, so, so you'll be going in for uh, a C-section 
Um, there's no issue without being, about not being boosted. You have to give birth. Like, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> they, they can't stop you from giving birth. One way or another, like, yeah. you've got to come out. Um, no, and they didn't, they were very, very good about every, to be honest, everybody at COMH, they're always amazing, um, but they were particularly amazing for all of this. And they, because, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm, you know, my, my 10 days and everything are up before I go in for my, before I go in for my C-section. So it's kind of business as usual now. I do know that there were, that there's like rules and or regulations kind of put into place if I did need to deliver early. And that was one of the things they wanted to monitor to make sure that I didn't need to deliver early. Now yeah, but if you look at your scenario now, yeah. you will be uh, double vaxxed and have yeah. had COVID, right? <laughs> so like you don't even need a booster now. Not for they say in three months. Yeah, I mean you're but out. I mean, you're out the woods. You're out of the woods. Variant at this point. Oh, woman, you don't, know, be, don't be. Yeah, but there's always going to be new variants of this. Like there's going to be new variants of the flu. It, well, and that's exactly it. And I, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not one to say like everybody needs to get the vaccine. Everybody doesn't. You, I think it's it's your decision. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. But I also think, like, it's just kind of being smart and considerate of other people. Oh, absolutely. Well. But, I, I, I mean, if it's just me personally, I wish people wouldn't talk about the next variant. You know? Yeah, I also think it's realistic, though. Like you just said, with the flu, I think trying to... Back when all of this first started and everyone was like, all right, we have to get the numbers to zero, it's not going to happen. And it's not realistic to think that one day COVID is going to magically go away. It's here and we have to live with it, but we have to figure out how to continue to manage everything. Oh, absolutely. But what you got with COVID, with let's say it was Omicron, was it any worse than a flu that you got years over the years? Yeah. It was worse? Yeah. But I also don't know if that's because I'm pregnant or if that's how COVID affected me. You know, so I wasn't, you know, when you're, pregnant already you're going through stuff so I don't know and I'm young I'm 27 years old I'm healthy I'm you know I I don't have any pre-existing medical conditions so it's not like any of those kind of weighed in on it it was mainly the big thing is that I'm pregnant so I don't know what how I would react if I wasn't yeah okay 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 you know but that the breathing was hard and like the coughing fits it was it was hard but I was again lucky that I was able to get at least the private PCR test done so that I could get into CUMH and be monitored and everything was good. Yeah, okay. Well, good luck with the birth uh, in the coming days. All will be well. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Take care. So for that. Cheers. Thanks, Lauren. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after 10. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Ah, yeah, many tests, uh, texts on um, uh, certainly this uh, these uh, antigen tests. Just wanted to give you bring your attention about these antigen tests giving false positives. It's all over social media about this particular brand giving people false positives. We had uh, these ones in the cupboard. So when I saw what was up on social media about them, I tested us. We all showed faint positives. I then went and got six more of a different brand. 
for all of the family and we all tested negative. Times are hard enough financially for people without added stress buying extra antigens for one and secondly, people having to stay off work over these false positive tests. I uh, just thought you might like to bring it up and that's more to do with the, the uh, Genru brand, G-E-N-R-U-I the self-testing antigen test kits. You might be as well off to stay away from them for now. Uh, that's if you can get antigen test kits at all. I see all of the signs inside in town yesterday in pharmacy saying that they're uh, completely out. Frustrated at the moment, I feel I had to say something. I've tested positive on the 29th of December and my GP referred me for a PCR. I still haven't heard anything five days later. I've tried to book an appointment online. Absolutely no appointments available. I could have ordered a private one as my husband has to uh, has to do, but that's not available until tomorrow, which would have been my sixth day. I can't believe that a health minister has said that you can go into the HSE website, upload your close contacts. As far as I know, this has not even been set up yet. But when I try to book an appointment with the HSE, I can only see I can only say that I've tested positive in 2022. It does not allow for 2021 cases like me. You see what I mean? Because of December 29th. The test, uh, the figures have been wrong as three of my close contacts have tested positive and they uh, can't get a PCR. Uh, I want, and the point there being, of course, that um, you're, do we actually know what the positive figures on a daily basis are at all when people can't get PCR tests? It could be a lot higher than the 18, 20 or 21 or 25,000 that's being reported from day to day. Uh, but anyway, they're just a selection of texts and emails. You can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. You know, there are other stories, of course, making the news besides anything to do with Omicron or, you know, changing isolation gu- guidelines and rules for people who are close contacts. Um, and we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. But there was a story that I touched on the back end of the year. Uh, and we all know, we don't need to be reminded, but we all know that rent has gone through the roof. Uh, and property prices continue to go upwards and they're not building enough houses, not fast enough and public authorities aren't pulling their weight. So therefore, um, it really is, um, uh, you know, a, a landlord's domain really when it comes to calling the shots on rent. And Anne Murphy had a story in the examiner at the back end of the year where she had evidence, categorical evidence of landlords who were offering uh, either reduced cost rent or free rent in exchange for sex. And that, of course, um, is very relevant now at a time when we really are in the middle of a housing and a rental crisis. I didn't get to talk to Anne at the back end of the year, but I want to do so now. And she joins me by the phone, Anne Murphy from the Examiner. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you have, and you have the evidence. And at this stage now, I believe that government and ministers are looking into the story and they're raising this issue in the Doyle. And I think there's some sort of a committee formed to work out how this can be handled, it, it's, it's clearly a criminal offence to begin with, isn't it? Well, there's a grey area there, um, and that's the issue at the moment. It's not, um, it, it, there is no definitive legislation isn't covering it? this area. Yeah. So that is what um, TDs uh, on the Oireachtas Housing Committee are now trying to bring to the attention of the Minister for Housing, Darrell O'Brien, and the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee. Um, Ona Bryn is raising it with those two ministers, while um, Green Party TD Stephen Matthews is the chair of the Oireachtas Housing Committee, and he's hoping that the that committee will be tackling it as well and I know that there's a number of parliamentary questions lodged as well um, for answer later on this month in relation to how okay. to um, make sure that this cannot happen again. Okay. okay. What did your investigation uncover and where? 
Basically, um, I went through um, a number of advertisement um, websites um, looking to see if this was an issue um, and because I, I do regular checks on it, having done something previously um, in January 2020 on a, such a case in Cork when I was with the Echo newspaper. Um, and I found in, in December a number of adverts um, relating to reduced rent or no rent um, for accommodation in a number of parts of Dublin and one in Newcastle West in Limerick. Um, I did a check again this morning before this show and I have um, found some more um, relating to the Dublin area today. Um, so it's still an ongoing issue and the adverts that um, uh, that we referenced in the examiner um, in December are actually still online this morning. Okay. Can you give an example of one or two of them? Yes, and I think the more interesting one related to um, the one in Newcastle West um, where a landlord was advertising a room for a single lady and um, he said it was uh, with a twist that he could uh, offer reduced rent for occasional fun. So when contacted by a prospective tenant, he made it clear that sexual activity was required, um, even though the ad had said, you know, that he could offer reduced rent for occasional fun. When contacted, it was clear that that was all he wanted was an arrangement where sex was um, going to be part of the uh, agreement as such. Um, And the reduced rent then was something like 200 a month? 200 for the first month and 250 euros per month thereafter. Now, when um, in in, in, uh, online conversation with prospective tenant, he did say that the if he was to enter into a relationship with the successful applicant, that rent would then be uh, free. So um, he had a number of people who were interested in the room and he said he would give the room to whoever he liked and had naked fun with. Um, so obviously there was some kind of auditioning process to be done in return for the room. And did you pose as a, as a prospective renter? I did, yes. Okay, so you you had the back and forth with him? I did, yes. And was it the same with the, the fellow in Dublin who was looking for friends with benefits arrangement? Well, he he didn't actually respond. Um, the when, when contacted, there was no response whatsoever from from that person. Um, but I have been um, I have been back and forth with other people since who are offering the same. Um, and are, um, you know, in, in different parts of the country. And then a third one, house located in Dublin, so close to the city, free car park, bus stop at home, let's chat soon, only for sweet, cute and charming girl, mm. ping me soon, no strings attached. No strings attached, yeah. That, I mean, so, like, you know the guy in, in Newcastle West, for instance, you didn't find out from him whether or not people were actually responding to the ad, did you? Well, he he claimed that they were. Um, he claimed that there was uh, one other person uh, interested, one, one other girl interested, and, and that there was a couple interested as well. Um, and he was going to be meeting those as well. Oh, my God. It's like he's sick. But it also shows how desperate some people must be to be responding to ads like that, don't you think? Yes, and I actually have come across um, an ad um, recently where a person has offered um, that they would make such services available to a landlord if they could get accommodation. It's that bad? It's that bad. Um, so, like that, it, it, unfortunately, I think a lot of people just don't have the money to meet the high rents that are currently on offer, um, particularly in the cities like Cork, Dublin and Limerick. It's like something from the 17 or 1800s. And there's no, there's no restrictions that would ban ads like this, No. 
No, and that's one of the areas that TDs want to look at um, because I know in the UK that that is currently um, being looked at as an amendment to a bill that's currently going through the House of Commons. So um, at present, it's not the case here. We don't even have uh, research on how common this practice is in Ireland, whereas we do um, have figures from the UK showing that in the nine months from the start of the pandemic up to January 2021, um, up to, um, I think it was 300 um, propositions had been made but there's nothing like that in Ireland at the moment um, survey wise to indicate how how widespread the practice is or how common it is for people to actually enter such arrangements. So a guy like the guy he couldn't be sent these ads and then get into a squad car and visit this guy because his defence would be it was a, a mutual arrangement between consenting adults is it something like that? Absolutely yeah no, the issue is the issue is when when it when you enter into such an arrangement, um, does it become a situation of course of control or not? Um, if you decide to say no, what what rights have you got? Um, if the landlord doesn't agree with your right to say no, um, it's it's a I suppose it's an area that is not been looked at very tightly yet from a lawmaker's perspective but that is going to change I think in January It's depraved. You you referenced a Cork story from 2020, was that a similar one? It was yeah, that related to a property in the lock area of Cork and that was um, advertised in January 2020 um, and that was um, a very similar situation where sex was also required I think on a twice a week basis in that case And did you engage with that landlord? Yes. God almighty. And what, like, do you have any ideas to what rents are now, for instance, uh, like typically? Uh, typically, um, about the thousand euros, um, eleven hundred euros per month, um, depending on where you are, obviously. Um, but the like you wouldn't the, get so, you wouldn't uh, get anything for eleven hundred euro in no. some of the villages, or you know, your Douglases, or your Bishopstowns, or no, you wouldn't, no, not at all. Like the typical monthly rent at present in the country is thirteen hundred ninety-seven euros. Um, and that is it's at the highest growth rate since 2017 in the third quarter of last year so like rents obviously are climbing and climbing and when you think about being offered a property for 200 euros then you have to question why But actually Anne is it a property or is it a room in his house? It's a room in a shared house with the landlord So so for 200 a month for a room in the landlord's house you're paying a grand a month, really. Two hundred. Is it two hundred a month or two hundred a week? Two hundred a month, yeah. Two hundred a so month. So it's a fifth of the price. It is. God Almighty. It is, yeah. And you, and there are still these ads up online. If anybody wanted to go and see them, you have to f- kind of search for them, I suppose. You have to do a bit of digging for them, yeah. But they are there. All right. Okay. And when do you think some um, some? I mean, Holly Carnes made made your article also. She was saying that it was it highlighted the depraved depths of the housing crisis, where grossly exploitative landlords expect sexual favours in return for putting a roof over people's heads. When do you think that will be outlawed? Well, I think efforts will be made um, during this month. Um, it'll obviously take a lot longer. It'll have to be um, looked at what area does it fall under. Is it a justice issue? Is it a housing issue? Um, TDs have been talking to me about it, saying that it probably should come under rental legislation. Um, but there are a number of issues there, um, like coercive control comes under justice. Um, and obviously, it's it, looking at the rental ads, I'm presuming that would fall under um, housing. So I think it will have to be a joined up process between the two departments to I, see where it actually falls on. Okay, we'll leave them to get on with that. Are you going to continue to dig? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, perhaps I might stay in touch with you in the future then. All right. Thank you, Neil. Cheers, Anne. Anne Murphy, journalist with the uh, Irish Examiner. Your thoughts are welcome on that. Incidentally, if you've ever seen ads like that or even contemplated on responding to one, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. And by email, Liam says, I'm a pensioner and I know little or nothing about computers and conducting my day-to-day business online, not my area. So I'm the type who likes to meet someone face-to-face at a counter. So yesterday, Tuesday, I took myself off to the motor tax office on the Model Farm Road, but found it was appointment only. Now, luckily, when I buzzed the intercom, a very pleasant lady said I could fill in a form at the doorway, leave it in the letterbox, and they'd post out my tax disc. I was able to do this as I did have my visa card with me, and I was able to include my details of the visa card on the form. But here's my gripe. It's a simple one. Why, in the name of God... Are they operating on an appointment basis only? And why is the civil servants, why is it that the civil servants can decide to lock themselves away behind closed doors? Please, I hope you might be able to get some answers for me, uh, says Liam O'Driscoll by email. I don't, I don't have any answers. Um, that's the way it is there. And all I can do is continue to remind people that you just can't rock up expecting to go in and queue at the counter and get your tax disc. Those rules don't apply and haven't for quite some time. Um, and, you know, I suppose if you look at what we're at now, you're probably seeing more and more of that now with people who aren't going to work because they're close contacts and hence the change that's coming down the track. But I did read in the paper this morning that Mary Lou MacDonald said, firstly, she said it's not a shoe-in that Sinn Féin would be elected into government at the next general election. But were it to happen, she is saying that she and Sinn Féin would take a very close look at uh, the public sector and uh, how it operates. Because I think she's saying words along, not her words, but mine, but that it's slow and that it's jaded and it needs to be boosted and it needs to get a jolt Jolt was the word I think she used. A lot of texts from yesterday, particularly where a mouse in the house. I'll have an update on that with regards to the missing hearing aids for you. I had a mouse in the house in October and it and as, as freaked as I was, all I could do was sing that song that you played on the air yesterday morning. Yeah, that's the mouse in the, uh, in the, in, in, in the little house in, in Amsterdam. I hope you enjoy that. I'm glad you remembered it, actually, because that goes way, way back years. Uh, trying to catch a very clever mouse at the moment myself, the little fecker. Happy New Year to you all. I have no issue at all in the wide earthly world with mice. I never did. I mean, I'd prefer if they weren't there. Uh, a bigger problem if there were rats, though. Um, a lot then on issues involving uh, COVID and just a few of those. Luke O'Neill has been optimistic from day one of this pandemic and has been proven wrong countless times. I would take everything that he says with a huge grain of salt. Uh, nobody does mindless optimism like Luke O'Neill. Uh, he well and truly lost credibility a year ago, says Kevin Inkelbehany. Don't know about that. I think it's as well to be positive as to be a doom and gloom negative merchant. I think you need to try and accentuate the positive as best you can. As somebody's picking up on that, you say you're staying positive as regards the virus and that things are going to get better. Well, how come if this new variant is so mild, there are more than 80 people in hospital since Monday? Also, do you know a French doctor has discovered a new variant? You know what that's going to be like. Yes, I am aware of the French variant. I'm aware of it. Um, and I'm just as aware as all of the other variants of this virus that will always be there in the future. Uh, people have to understand that the pandemic is here to stay until everyone is digitized in order to bring in digital currency 
and chipping. That's already underway in Sweden. The death rate in Ireland over the years previous to the pandemic is more or less the same as it is now. People die from the usual illnesses like flu, pneumonia, and they're all put down to corona. It's bull and people need to wake up to that. I've seen some doctors say that C19 does not actually exist. I was thinking that was a bit far-fetched, but now I'm not so sure, says Cullum. It's an interesting article that I read actually from America or the Cleveland Clinic. I suppose we need reminding of it. And they were talking about this study they did with regards to patients uh, who came down with uh, COVID-19 and had severe complications. And they found uh, that there was clear evidence, and we've had this on many occasions in the past, that weight has an awful lot to do with it and obesity levels uh, and that um, there was a much higher risk of severe complications to COVID-19 if you were carrying way too much weight, certainly with regards to cardiovascular disease, blood clots and issues regarding the lungs. All of these are complicated by COVID-19 and added complications from obesity. Uh, lines open on one sorry, lines open on 0818 my apologies. But yesterday... Quite an amount of the program was dominated, obviously, by the changes in alcohol pricing. It's an awful lot dearer now to go to the off-license or indeed to visit a local supermarket and get whatever you want, whether that's a single bottle, whether it's a box or a slab or gin or whiskey or whatever your tipple would be. It's an awful lot dearer. And we chatted about that. So it came into effect midnight on Monday. Seamus Whelan took to the streets of Cork yesterday just to pick up on what Corkonians made of the move. If people who really want to get hammered on drink, like, we'll go for the harder stuff, I'd say, you know? A bottle of whiskey for 22 euros is going to do more of an effect on you than a slab of beer, I'd say, isn't it? A, a quick effect, like, if that's what you're after, like. But, like, this government bring things in to, uh, to fix everything, but they never fix anything, you know? They never fix anything. Like, they should be fixing housing and things like that that matter. Like, you know, not petty little things to appease certain among, uh, sections of society. Like, it'll all we'll fix this and we'll fix that. Whereas it doesn't affect the great majority of the wealthier people anyway. What price beer is, you know, they don't care. People who live up the north or towards the north, towards the border, so it doesn't bother them at all. Because it means people further away from the border will suffer. They can nip across and get as much as they want, like. So it's just a joke, really, like, you know. Another government, well, so-called government joke that they brought out to try and uh, take take the attention off their uh, inability to to govern properly, you know, and fix the problems in the country. Apparently it's been very successful in Scotland and it's brought down the statistically problem drinkers, I suppose, but from a personal point of view, it's painful. But alcohol for years has been a last leader for a lot of the retail. Yes. So, like, is it about time that it should be treated as a luxury item? Well, yeah, great theory. In practice, totally different. Absolutely painful in this current climate, in the pandemic, job security, etc. You know, I think governments and policymakers have to be realistic about what people feel, you know. Do they think that they're going to win votes with this? Yeah, I suppose it's unfair for lower-class earners. It's not fair if they enjoy it. But, I don't know, if it's a trial to see if it'll save another side, maybe it's worth a try. I suppose if they eliminated the binge drinking with the younger people, maybe up the age bracket or something like that, serving them, maybe, yeah. They can't price it too high for me. I'm against drink altogether because it does too much damage in Ireland and ruins our reputation worldwide. We're known as drunken Irish, no matter where we go. Even if we don't drink, we're drunken Irish. If you if you want to drink, no matter what, it will work to do it. It's the same as cigarettes or anything else. They go up, you'll If you want to, you'll 
to get the money somehow. I don't drink at all, so I wouldn't have a clue why. But sure, it's uh, the reason they're saying they're bringing it in is because there's a thousand beds a day taken up with alcohol-related illness. Do you think they're right in doing something like this? I do, actually. If there's if there's a thousand beds a day taken up with it, I do. There's people who have cancer and all that, and they can't get seen to at the moment with COVID and all that kind of stuff. Like, and if alcohol is playing a part in it, you know, we all have a part to play. Well, it's not a big drinker, but it's not right. The wages aren't right. You can't afford housing, no, you can't afford alcohol, but if everything's gone up, the wages have to go up. I don't drink a lot of beer, but for I don't drink a lot of whiskey either, so like a bottle would last several years in my house. Um, we drink wine, but you'd be paying that price anyway. So I don't see there's a big difference to me, but I can see how it would affect other people. I imagine it's to discourage people from drinking too much, but I do think I do think it's un- disproportionately affecting people on low incomes for whom alcohol might be what, what they have, where the rest of us have other things to be getting on with. Could we provide more services, more facilities for the youth? Maybe they wouldn't feel that drinking was all they had to do. It's a, it's a rip-off, isn't it? A rip-off, really. It's like tax for like, pretending it's for health. So I'm, I'm against it, really. Well, it's the, the increase will actually go to the, to the store and the, the government yeah. are getting the 23% back on the increase. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think the thing is, um, it will affect people who are worse off. Because, I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you're on a high salary, it doesn't matter if you a few pence on a, on a, on a wine or something. It will affect people who, who want to have a drink. Normal people. And that's what they're trying to do. I think the people in charge are trying to stop people drinking. I mean, it's ridiculous. After You can't have a drink after 8 o'clock in a pub or a restaurant. You can't go to a restaurant. That doesn't exist most places now, I don't think, does it? England hasn't got it. So it's... Um, it's, it's uh, and Holohan, the guy in charge, he's been on record saying before this happened, he thinks the Irish people drink too much. So they're getting their advice from a person who's basically a teetotaler who doesn't believe in Irish people drinking. And he's not elected by anybody. So it's absolute outrageous. But that's, you know... But like, they're saying that there's a thousand beds a day being taken up by alcohol-related illness. Yeah, but what's the... So maybe you should kind of do health education stuff spend the money on that don't tax people who are kind of like poorly off do you know do it in a fair way educate people you know it's not going to affect Leo Leo and his uh, husband sitting in their nice apartment or house when we're in an expensive part of Dublin drinking their fine wines is it it's not going to affect all the you know the TDs in their lovely bars all subsidised by the government it doesn't affect them well I think I think that domestic violence is um, it's another thing that you don't you don't deal with it by taxing poor people you know you deal with it by education you deal with it by it's, I mean, there's lots of causes of domestic violence. Alcohol's one of them. Poverty's another one. So you're going to make people even worse off. It's not going to change people who want to have a drink. They'll spend more of their money on drink now. They'll get drunk and they'll go and beat their wives up or the other way around. So it doesn't affect domestic violence. It just makes it more likely, I think. Somebody who really wants a drink will just keep drinking. It's just going to mean there's more, less money for the family then. So you want, you want to educate people, I think. Seamus Whelan on the streets of Cork yesterday. A lot of texts on this. All this increase will mean is that food and heating will suffer. A better solution would be to raise the drinking age to 21, says Frank. Mio Martin is out of his depth and completely antisocial. This is just more tax for the government. People are sick to death of this carry-on, says John. What an almighty price jump in drink. Someone's going to be very happy with that, and it won't be the normal Joe Soap. What are this miserable government going to do next? Um, the only reason drink has gone up, says Mags, in the off-license is because our government are sneaky gits. They had us in lockdown and were able to see where we were spending our money 
and on what. It's a disgrace, the pressure they're putting on people uh, to get a couple of drinks. Some don't want to or can't afford to go to the pub. They enjoy a few cans or bottles at home. People are being watched unknown to themselves more than ever now. One or two more. People, If people are concerned about domestic abuse regarding alcohol abuse, then please mention to your listeners that the AA does exist and the help is, is there. We do have a serious problem with alcohol in this country. It needs to be addressed at the core. People drink to escape their issues. We need to treat that and not increases in prices. Just talking, actually, about treating people with addictions, uh, and it's not just alcohol, actually, that people go into rehab or into counselling for. Um, I want to chat with Michael Guerin, who's the counsellor at Coonvera, the Detox and Residential Rehab Care Centre. He joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Just firstly, with regards to that Vox, a couple of very interesting points that some people made, of course. One was a chap who said that increasing the price of beer will make people drink whiskey um, to get drunk and it will do an awful lot more danger because whiskey will still be 20 euro, 21 euro a bottle. Another person said that if people want to drink, they will buy it anyway and other things will suffer because of it. What do you as a councillor make of this increase in the price? Um, I suppose, Neil, listening to the the people that were interviewed yesterday, there is certainly a good degree of anger out there, particularly amongst the responsible drinking cohort of the population. But it does not alter the fact that there is serious harm done by alcohol consumption every year in this country. Um, We were talking about in excess of a thousand acute beds in the hospital system and approximately a cost of three billion euro per annum. Mm. So I suppose the minimum unit pricing... um, that has been introduced is has been introduced in an attempt to defray harmful drinking, particularly amongst young people and underage. And I have to say, I do feel a certain amount of sympathy for the people who enjoy a drink responsibly, particularly those who might be on a lower income. And they might buy a box of beer that could last them a month or a couple of weeks anyway, you know? Yes, and these price increases will have a profound effect on their situation because obviously at at lower incomes it will be felt more acutely than somebody who wouldn't be on a lower income but that that doesn't alter the fact that in countries where minimum unit pricing initiatives have been introduced it has resulted in the lowering of alcohol related harm in terms of presentations to A&E because of alcohol but how much though five six seven percent I believe only well, yeah, but even 5, 6 or 7%, O'Neill, on what we're talking is quite a lot of people. Now, I'm, I'm saying this it's very aware of the fact that the minimum unit pricing initiatives will have an effect on people who will never end up in A&E because of alcohol-related issues. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, we did have to do something um, to address the levels of alcohol-related harm in Ireland and I do appreciate that minimum unit pricing is a somewhat crude way in which to do it. You're at the coalface. You're dealing with those people who come to you desperate for help. So therefore, you would have an idea of the journeys that they've been on, right? And a point that people keep on making to me t- day after day is that if people want to drink, they'll pay any price for it. Other things will suffer. Yes, and there are, in terms of the alcoholic cohort of the population, that is a very correct um, assessment. But I suppose I think the minimum unit pricing initiative is more directed at the harmful binge drinkers, more so than people who are suffering from full-blown alcoholism. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there are a cohort of people out there, and they're generally speaking in their younger years, who drink harmfully, persistently, who would not necessarily be alcohol addicted. 
um, but they're, only, they're ending up in all sorts of situations because of alcohol. And even there was a report published there before Christmas by, I think it was the Bowman Hospital, where our incidences of liver disease amongst younger people are soaring and they are attributing that to irresponsibility around alcohol. And is that in, you're saying that, alcohol, that liver issues in young people are soaring? Correct. Is that because of what they're actually drinking as opposed to just the quantities of what they're drinking? I think it's more so down to the amounts and, and, uh, and the regularity, Neil, more so than any particular one that they would be taking. But certainly there has been huge concern raised within the medical profession um, regarding the incidence of alcohol-induced liver disease that's been seen in young people But in surely young livers can't cope with vodka, whiskey, shots, gin... Sambuca, um, as well as they could say, for instance, with beer. Hasn't that been the change in drinking habits? Yeah, and that's absolutely, you've, you've nailed it there, Neil. That is what has happened. What has happened is that our culture has changed from a beer-drinking, pint-drinking um, society to drinking vast amounts of cheap, strong spirits yeah. um, with hugely harmful effects. Yeah. And I mean, I have heard of young people I was talking to a young person recently who told me that a number of people in their class in secondary school had been taken to A&E at some point in their adolescence to be treated for overconsumption of alcohol. I mean, that would have been unheard of 20 years ago. So, uh, let me ask you, what's it been like the last couple of years? Um, Um, Considering that more people have been suffering with their mental and physical health in many different ways. Does that include alcohol-related illnesses up? Yeah, it has been challenging and we have good reason to believe, Neil, that alcohol dependence is on the increase and we are now encountering clients who are saying to us that their alcohol consumption was reasonably under control before the pandemic hit. But then, particularly during the, the, the course of the first lockdown, um, that they found that their alcohol consumption es- escalated yeah. out of control. Yeah. So we are dealing and we reasonably expect to be dealing with the fallout from the whole COVID-19 pandemic for a few years to come. Um, and two of the things that were noteworthy was an increase in online gambling and an increase, an increase in alcohol dependence only. And we had considered alcohol dependence only to be in the decline pre-COVID, but now it's proving otherwise. Um, I know, and we spoke about this on the air as well, with regards to, say, for instance, the price increase itself. And I won't go into the details of the difference prices for different types of drink. But none of that money, I believe, has been ring-fenced to help people who are suffering or need help or rehab. Um, It just goes to the government exchequer. That's a sneaky move, surely. Well, yes, and I think that part of that minimum unit pricing initiative is that, as you said, any revenue collected from it um, should have been diverted towards services who support those people who get into trouble with with, um, alcohol dependence. In actual fact, the same could be said for problematic gambling, Neil, where there is very little money set aside from that. There is no money in actual fact from the gambling taxes set aside at this point in time to uh, support organisations that provide treatment to people with gambling issues. Oh, and and I I appreciate that. But if they're saying that one of the reasons behind it is a war on problem drinking and they increase the price of it, why don't they give any of that money then? It's very sneaky. I mean, it really is nothing more than a tax. Well, yes, and I think that was one of the things that came through again from the people you interviewed yesterday, that the, the public are viewing this as a tax 
rather than what it is intended to be, is it intended to be a price increase in order to reduce supply into the market. Um, so I would agree with you, yes, absolutely. So not Money, one yeah. single extra hospital bed would be created by this increased revenue. Um, no one like the work that your good selves do and others like you will get any check in the post. No, we have no reason to believe that we would be any better off because of the minimum unit pricing introduction. Okay. And is it, so you're saying that, okay, alcohol issues during COVID are high and we will only see more of that in the coming year or two as a consequence of that. You also mentioned gambling. I, I would have thought as well that other addictions, like, for instance, cocaine addictions, amphetamine addictions, um, even heroin addictions would be up, right? Well, I suppose, Neil, we were, when we came into the COVID-19 pandemic, we were dealing with a terrible situation with cocaine ever before COVID-19. And one of the things about cocaine is cocaine was generally a drug that was used in a lot of cases in social situations. So we thought in our innocence that when COVID-19 hit and when social activities were reduced, that we would see some abatement of the the cocaine uh, epidemic. But that certainly hasn't been the case. Cocaine continues to be a huge issue for services like ourselves. And we are encountering young people who are devastated by the effects of cocaine abuse at a very young age at this stage, which is very concerning. Um, That would include crack cocaine, I would imagine, yeah? Yes, crack is 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 a new phenomenon, relatively speaking, in Ireland. Um, but we are seeing far more anecdotal reports about crack cocaine from users now. Two or three years ago, we would have seen little or none of it. And that generation that you're seeing now, are they coming voluntarily to you? Or are they coming through the courts? Or is it through their parents' help or what? Well, they're certainly not coming from the courts because we don't have court-mandated rehab here. But like we're seeing, I suppose that the, the big difference we are seeing now, Neil, in comparison to 10 years ago, is we're seeing clients turning up at 22 and 3 years of age with drug dependence issues. And they are presenting with a demographic of a client that would have been in his early to mid-30s 10 years ago. So they've started using very young. And in some cases, they have used cocaine at the age of 15 or younger. And they are presenting with an unholy amount of consequences at a very young age. So I suppose the concerning thing for us is that the 20-something-year-old addict of 2020 was the 30-year-old something-year-old addict of the year 2000, if you understand what oh I mean. Oh, God, I know exactly what you're saying. And that's quite, that's quite scary to hear. It's quite scary. And the other thing that has been a hallmark of recent drug dependence developments is, is the clients are simultaneously abusing three and four substances at a time. Now, 15 years ago, we could nearly categorize the clients by by virtue of the substance they abused. So you had cocaine-dependent people, heroin-dependent people, benzodiazepine-dependent people, and so on. But now they're coming in and they're abusing a concoction of these substances, which makes the whole detox process very challenging for us. God almighty, I can remember 20, 30 years ago and the biggest problem we had with kids who had gone off the rails was glue or aerosol cans. Look where we're at now. Yeah, and that is in actual fact one of the frightening things that's coming to to the fore of late is that historically young people in early adolescence used to experiment with alcohol and cannabis. And we have good reason to believe now that cocaine has been absorbed into that milieu of substances that young adolescent people experiment with. So that that is, is quite bad news because in terms of harmfulness, cocaine would be way above and beyond 
either alcohol or cannabis. But frighteningly acceptable yeah. now in social in social situations, isn't it? It is, and it's hugely normalised. And there is a generation of people out there now that view cocaine in the same way that we view alcohol, um, and that is very, very worrying. What about what about cannabis? I mean, cannabis is is a, a stable of of our profession for decades at this stage. Um, a lot of people think it should be legalised. Cannabis is also, when it's abused, and I understand that it does not have the addictive potential of higher drugs that higher are higher up the hierarchy, like cocaine and heroin and stuff. Yeah. But nonetheless, it can have devastating effects on young people, particularly when it comes to their mental health. So cannabis is, is far from being the harmless substance that people would like to make it out to be in some But case. is it no more harmful than, say, alcohol when handled responsibly, though? Well, you see, Neil, there, therein lies the question. I mean, for people that might be able to handle it responsibly, it probably wouldn't be any more harmful than alcohol. But people have a propensity to get dependent on cannabis in the same way that they do with alcohol. So it's there where it causes the problem. What problem are you talking about? Brain fog, is it? Well, we're talking about, you know, general mild mental health disorders. And in some severe cases, now they're rare, but it has happened where you would see clients who would have undergone cannabis-induced psychosis. Mm, I know. There's a big talk about it at the moment as to whether it will and when it will be legalised. You wouldn't be in that camp then, no? Um, I would. I, I suppose I wouldn't be in favour of legalisation, Neil. To be honest, I do see a point in the future of Ireland where we will probably legalise cannabis. Um, I don't think it's a good move. Um, and I don't think our relationship with previous substances we legalised and regulated, for example, alcohol and tobacco, would give us any confidence to suspect that legalising and regulating of cannabis would be of any use to us. There was a part in the Vox there on a couple of occasions when people mentioned the drunken Irish. Um, is that image of the Irish valid? I don't. I, I'm not so sure it's valid of us all as as a. No, but when you compare population. us to other to other countries, I mean, you're seeing it. You you have people going in for treatment. Uh, you know, do we have a problem with it? And if so, why? We have a problem on two fronts, Neil. We have a problem with the people that we see on a daily basis, but we also have a problem with the people that we don't see because we have a cultural ethos in this country particularly with the younger people, that equates intoxication and having a good time. So you, you are seeing a non-addicted um, cohort of population who drink in a very dangerous way. And they are as valid when it comes to talking about things like minimum unit pricing as the people who are in full-blown addiction to alcohol and, as you quite rightly said earlier on, will drink it irrespective of what the price of it is. But you say that many of those you see gradually descend f- from being a responsible drinker to abusing alcohol to full-blown alcoholism, that it's a long road for many people before they get to see you at all. Is that right? Yeah, for some people, yeah. For, for a good deal of clients, they would start out drinking responsibly and gradually over time they would see a deterioration in their drinking habits up to the point where they would then be classified, if you like, as alcoholic, as somebody needing something as as, as big an intervention as, as residential care. But there are another um, element of society that binge drink and drink harmfully and so on. And it would appear 
if if we are to believe what we're being told, that they are causing as many problems in terms of alcohol-related harm and alcohol-related illnesses as the alcoholic cohort of the population are doing. Uh, that harm is caused to themselves and family, is it, in domestic situations? Well, well it's, it's caused in terms of adverse events following alcohol consumption, like any admissions and that kind of thing yes. is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you see much then with regards to, say, prescription medication? We see plenty of it. Um, it's still very much um, as as big as it was all along. We're seeing a lot of problems now with um, illicitly procured prescription medication. So, in other words, street-bought medication as opposed to the stuff that would be prescribed from a doctor. And do any of the misfortunes that we see living on our streets make it to you, those that are completely demented, you know, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. We see them walking around, their lives are like over unless they get help. Do they ever present? Well, we'd like to think that they do. About 30% of our clientele are homeless on admission. Yeah. Um, And we have always reached out to who we felt were those most in need within society. So we would be proud to say that some of these people that that come forward for help, and I suppose that's the big issue for people who find themselves in these dire situations, is that they can find it very difficult to reach out their hand and get the help but for anybody in that situation we would be delighted to try and help them if we could Okay, listen good to catch up with you Um, Happy New Year in spite of everything else Michael and thanks for taking the call as always You're very welcome Neil thank you It's Michael Guerin Councillor at Coonvera the Detox and Residential Rehab Centre you can get further details of what they do on a Google search lines are open you can call 0818 104 106 more of those texts incidentally and lots more besides after the break this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM the change in the price of drink I find will be the last straw that will break Fianna Fall. this there was uh, stealth taxes slipped in over the last seven years and it was on the backs of ordinary people my wife and I would enjoy a few cans of beer at weekends and Fianna Fáil have now doubled that cost. Roll on the election so we can show them how much we resent them or what they're doing to their own voters, says Dennis. So you're calling out Fianna Fáil on it, but not Fianna Gael nor the Greens. Uh, did anyone think that this increase in drink prices is for the government to grab extra revenue, that they know they will lose once more cars are electrical? And they aren't getting the income from fuel. Well, they certainly are getting the income from fuel at the moment because every increase in fuel means more for the government. Uh, Kevin says, it's funny why the government picked January to bring in the price increase in booze. As I'd say, there is stats out there that drink purchases probably fall every January and February. So the government will come out next month now and say their plan is working. Yeah, I understand why you pick up on the optics of it. You're right. If you say alcohol is a luxury item and should have that price, why isn't fast food or even meat a luxury item, seeing as no one really needs it? Um, my friend was in the UK for Christmas and he said everything is open there as normal. No masks and restaurants and nightclubs are fully open. I'm off to the UK if this madness keeps up for a drink and a boogie and a bit of food. Morning, I'm married to a chronic smoker. I'm wondering what's happening. They increased the amount of cigarettes from the pa- in the pack from 20 to 25 and even 30. I didn't know that. Are the government trying to increase the amounts of cigarettes a person is actually smoking? I also smoked 40 years ago, and I remember if I had extra cigarettes in the box, I would just smoke them. Interesting perspective on people's smoking habits there. Uh, also, it begs the question as to, as the price of fags keep going up, 
Um, does that encourage people to give up or cut down? Um, where does the price of alcohol increase actually go to? Is it the shop owner? Well, it's all of the above. The manufacturer, the shop owner, the distributor, and indeed the government. I think people will go back to bars when we come back to normality. You just can't justify paying five euro a bottle in a bar um, uh, when there are one euro in an off license. I agree with this price hike. But yet you still think that people will be going back to the bars. Uh, why would you go back to a bar if the same bottle in a bar is a fiver and it's 170 at home? Maybe it's for the company. Uh, so there's that and lots more besides. You can text uh, 0868104106 and give us a bell on 0818-104-106. There are others then, uh, certainly with regards to uh, the issues involving uh, where we find ourselves with Omicron. Uh, I don't know whether Emily or not um, is actually within the healthcare profession herself, but she says there should be zero visitors in hospitals. Staff are being compromised by the public coming in and out without being questioned. This variant is so high, it's disgraceful putting vulnerable patients at risk and staff. There's no respect for frontline workers who already brought the virus home. The visit should only be allowed in palliative care circumstances. You know something? I'm going to be absolutely honest. I, I'll have to go and find out what the story is now, even with visits to hospitals or to nursing homes. You know, there's so many things happening and there's so many changes happening so quickly. It's hard to keep up. I'm actually not 100% sure what the story is now with regards to a hospital or a nursing home visit. We can pick up on that and lots more besides. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. And with regards to issues involving, uh, say, for instance, the city centre. I was in there yesterday. It's quite busy, actually, and uh, it's probably busy as well because the kids are still off school. So there was a lot around town having a bit of fun and messing with their buddies and what have you. But a good busy city centre yesterday, I have to say. Mind you, I did get an email saying to make you aware of the drug situation where I live. At present, I live in an apartment block in the city centre quite near the Mercy Hospital. There are a lot of laneways in this area. Now, this isn't the first time that I dealt with this topic. There are a lot of laneways in this area that are not very well lit up at all. I know some people that won't venture this way during the day, much less any time at night. We've only lived here since April and have already encountered needles, spoons, used sanitizer wipes, bloody tissues in the communal hallways and lift areas and outside in the laneways. It's normalized now. You need to fob, you need a fob to gain entry to the apartment block. And without this, it takes great force to release the magnets holding the doors closed. This has been done by people on many occasions. And then, of course, the doors are out of order for days. While it was broken recently, a person gained entry and overdosed right in our stairway. There are mostly families living in this complex with small kids. I myself have two kids, and this is not a healthy environment for our children. Some of these kids are old enough to know the difference between someone asleep and someone dead. With the weather colder now, some addicts are getting in to sleep in the hallways. One of my neighbours and his partner were leaving to take their child to school and asked one of them to move from his doorway, and he was threatened with a syringe. We cannot allow the kids to play on the lanes and now we're afraid to allow them in the courtyard area because we don't know what they might find or pick up. I know this goes on everywhere, but I most definitely would not recommend city centre living to anybody with young kids. And that's from Donna by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. We're back after 11. We'll pick it up then. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. New year, new number for Neil.
It's like everything, whether it's responsible or irresponsible. Uh, another interesting email in that regard. Case history for you. I have a close person to me in addiction. It is beyond difficult for him and other people who are trying to stay off it and do well. But it's the dealers who sell it that will still offer it to them and, thr- and try to persuade them to get back on it. You think the dealers have a license to sell it the way they go around town these days. It's horrible to witness. I don't blame people who move away from Cork who were in addiction to try and start a new life somewhere else because I personally think that's what you have to do after treatment because it comes down to the people, places and the company. Even if you're having a bad day and walking through town or anywhere else around here, it's too easy to get drugs. You know the people from previous experiences. I hope it never knocks on anyone's door. It is, it is beyond heartbreaking to deal with. I'm talking from experience. That junkie that people refer to is someone's son, brother, dad, etc. Some people can't be saved. And to the people who get saved, well done, because you will live with it forever. Uh, sad email and thank you for it thank you for reaching out uh, yesterday we are talking about uh, issues then regarding um, and also even with Anne Murphy this morning people trying to get a house or trying to rent or buy or get on a council list there was some criticism um, yesterday morning uh, from an individual who said uh, that the pressure in housing in Ireland is exacerbated by so many people coming into the country uh, that was their opinion not mine incidentally uh, but interestingly I just want to say I'm sick of hearing people say that anyone on the council, on council lists sits on their behind all day waiting to be housed. Both my partner and I work while we're rearing three children. We can't get a mortgage because of the selfishness of the Celtic Tiger people, people that borrowed from the bank to get their marble countertops and then couldn't afford to pay it all back, causing a crash and much tighter restrictions on anyone now that wants to borrow for a mortgage. We pay our taxes, we work hard, but because we decided to have a family, I can only work part-time, so combined our income qualifies my family for social housing. We are currently renting a horrible house and we're waiting to be housed. Camp on, come on the air, but I'd have a very busy household. Thanks for that. Of course, when you drill into the case histories, of course, uh, you hear a completely different story of those who are desperate to get a house. They're not all just sitting around all day, lazing on their arses, doing nothing and having everything provided for them. Now, drivers beware. Uh, three ambulances on the hill down from Donnybrook and Douglas. There's some emergency issue going on there. Emergency services are working and somebody at the scene. So drive with care and I hope those people will be okay. Yesterday, uh, I spoke with Karen on the air. Now, it was very funny, but very serious at the same time. It had to do with her dad's hearing aids um, and uh, over the course of a couple of days three of the four hearing aids disappeared. We found out that it was a mouse was taking the hearing aids and heading in under the sink uh, and under the washing machine and stuff like that and chewing away on the cabling of the uh, hearing aids. He did find them, managed to retrieve them, um, um, but then lost them again going into town trying to get them repaired. But Karen joins me again. Karen, good morning. (laughs) Hang on a second, let me get myself together. There you are. Have you an update for me, you have? Yay, we found the hearing aids. <laughs> Where were they? So eventually they, they were trying to get through to the bus station for about two days. Right. Just move around a bit, Karen, because it's not a great phone line. One second there now. All right, so they eventually got on to, I assume, lost and found or something, was it? 
Yeah, they got on to Lost and Found yesterday down in the bus depot and they have them. So he's going down later on this afternoon to collect them. <laughs> okay. Are they repairable? We don't know yet, do we? Um, we don't know. So he rang Hidden Hearing um, <laughs> yesterday after he found them and they said she'd heard it on the radio herself <laughs> and she was going to contact G to find out who we were so that they could contact my dad. So he has an appointment today at I think two o'clock or something. That is but, um, very efficient of them now, in fairness. Yeah, I was, no, when he said that, no, when he rang me last night, he said <laughs> the lady was lovely and she was going to contact you just to see, you know, who we were and stuff like that. Yeah, fair um, play. They reached out. Well, I mean, he's not going to do a MacIver job on them himself. He's going to give them to the professionals. <laughs> Exactly, and he's not getting the bus in either. My mum is dropping him at the door <laughs> with the hearing aid. <laughs> well, hopefully it's just a little bit of wiring, you know, and nothing more serious than that. <laughs> well, hopefully, anyway, sure we won't know until we get him in there. That's the main thing, get him in there safely with him in his hands. wonder who handed them in. They were obviously found on the bus, I imagine, yeah? Yeah, they didn't know, so I would even assume somebody might have seen him on the floor or on the seat, or maybe the cleaning lady that night. But, um, the you know, unless you ring them, yeah, there's yeah. no way of claiming them back because he had no telephone number or contact details in them. So okay. that's a lesson learned okay. as well. Okay, so uh, I'll be anxious to hear the next chapter of this book. Yeah, so as soon as I find out how he's getting on with them when we have him back, I'll drop you an email. Anybody interested in getting rid of the mouse or mice? <laughs> we ha- I didn't even ask him about the mouse. <laughs> We're more interested in getting the hearing aids fixed. I saw texts coming in there over the last 24 hours of people, you know, talking about ways of, I'm not necessarily just talking about a trap. Uh, somebody here says, uh, the best bait I have for catching mice is peanut oil with crushed peanuts wrapped in some cling film. Either put it on a tray or, oh no, and add some poison to it. Peanut butter on some chocolate. It's worked for me in the past. That's wrong. Well, I guarantee you know if that news gets to my dad, he'll be googling how to catch mice for the afternoon. <laughs> once he gets his hearing aids, and he catch him. All right, okay, all right. So come back and update me on the mouse and also I the will. repair job. All right, and well done to Hidden right. Hearing for coming back as well. Yeah, wanting yeah, to help. That was great. Then. All right, <laughs> cheers. Take care. Have a good day. Take care. Bye bye. After the break, Bye-bye. text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six Red FM. And to the phone lines we. Go. Oh, Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Happy are you? Happy New Year to a new you. A new me is right. Oh eight my stone God. down, baby. Some eight people would down. weigh eight stone. You're eight stone down. I'm eight stone down. Now I'm 13 months post-gastric bypass. You lost You lost the weight of an average person. I did. Mother yeah, of God. And I'm not finished yet. There's about another two stone now to go. Go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to my height and my frame and the way I'm working out and eating, I said another two stone to go. So you, I mean, you continue to eat and everything, like, but smaller amounts, obviously. Oh yeah, smaller amounts. I mean, uh, this time last year when you and I spoke, yeah. I was on about the cauliflower rice and all that, but none of that now. I have all the food groups, but be it small bit. Okay. So I would eat small but often. So last year, because it was important to update with people. So 12 months Mm. ago, between then and now, how much did you continue to lose over the year? Um, I'm down eight stone in 13 months. Mother of God. That's rapid, though. Is that that kind of rapid loss safe? It it is. Now, for the first six months after gastric bypass, like I had six of that stone gone. I mean, it went so fast, I couldn't even believe it. I know. So it's really the last two stone took me, what, about six months to lose. On average, about one and a half pound to two pound a week. Average. 
you know, so um, in the bioactric world, believe it or not, I'm a slow loser. Um, a lot of people lose a lot more in a year, but I, I took the advice of Dr. Boyle, my surgeon, and he said, look, Sharon, approach this in the right way with exercise and a healthy diet. Don't eliminate any food groups and just make it work for you because this is a lifestyle change. And and that's exactly you, what I did. Yeah, but what's your target weight? Um, never had a target, Neil. Um, but now that I've got to this weight, which is 10 stone 12, I'd, I I met him actually in November and we were discussing it. And he said, look, I actually think on your frame and your exercise program, you're going to go down to about 9 stone. And if you do, you'll go down to that weight and have about your half a stone to 10 pound to play with. You know, Christmas gotcha. and yeah, there, yeah, and yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah you, can, you yeah. can play around. And what do people make when they see you, particularly if they haven't seen you for a long time? Oh, they, they just can't believe it. They, Does they recognise you? No, no, no. Even my best friend, if I'm standing in the chemist, she doesn't recognise me. So I don't, don't recognise people anyway because of a mask. But So uh, you've got the mask and down eight stone, nobody recognises you. are like the, like the invisible man. Exactly. They're passing me on the street and I would call their name and they'd go, they'd look at me and I'd go, I'd put down the mask and go, it's me. And they're just bowled over like, <laughs> What you know? did they say? Ah! They're like, Jesus Christ, Sharon. And going, oh, we heard you got a gastric bypass because look, the whole of Cork and nearly Ireland at this stage, no, I got one because I was very open about it. Um, but yeah, no, I've no problem sharing my journey and it's actually getting very popular. And how come all of this, was this covered by like a, a Leia or a VHI or something like that? You see, that's the funny thing. Okay, I I was a 44 BMI, but I had no pre-existing conditions. So back last year, Leia wouldn't cover it. So I had to pay for it myself. But then when I was with uh, Dr. Boyle, um, like I was asked to document my journey to get it more out there because uh, he's working with uh, health insurances and the hospitals about it. So when I went back to him in November, he said, you know what, Sharon, I often think of you because if it was now, uh, they lowered the criteria. So they lowered it down to even 39 to 40 BMI with no pre-existing conditions. They would have covered it now. But I just said, look, it's gone. Look at the work I've done in a year. I'm happy. No, but now they're covering my plastics. I just uh, recently, three weeks ago, got a breast lift and reduction. Did you? What? And, well, I nearly yeah. said why. You clearly needed it, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, Neil, I, I needed it. <laughs> I needed it. I needed it for years, but I, I could never lose the weight. Um, so that was part of my plan with the gastric bypass, that when I met the surgeon in April, I could never lose the weight to get it done. So because of the bypass, I lost the eight stone, and I went in three weeks ago, and I'm just a new woman. It's just amazing. It's amazing, yeah. is right? Yeah, and you're not yeah. finished yet. So you you can you're you're so you continue to eat, but clearly mm-hmm. much smaller stomach, so the portions are tiny. Yes. Yeah. So that but would be like breakfast, lunch, dinner, bit of snack here and there. It would be breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and then a snack if I'm able. Now this is the thing with the the bypass. Like some days you could eat very well, other days then you can't. You know, but like I'm. I persevere. I get up very early. I'm at five o'clock every day, kind of girl rising. So I do tend to get in a lot. And I do drink my two litres of water a day. Mm. Um, I persevere. Like I know some people give up an awful lot go, couldn't go back to that, but I would go back to it. Um, even my last blog group there, now my own GP and Colin Boyle was like, wow, you're, you're just a walking advertisement for this. You know, so it, it is just a weight loss tool for the first six months. After that, then you put a lot of work in. But I started two weeks after my operation. I bought a cheap treadmill off Amazon, started at five minutes, and now I'm up to 10K um, a day. Now, because of my surgery, I can only get 6K a day in. Yeah, but I'm it's, not going it's, as fast, it's but 6K better than nothing. But this is the thing. 
Were your, were your eating habits all over the place before all this then? It would have been. I was a typical yo-yo dieter all my life. And uh, typically wouldn't have breakfast, would have four or five cups of coffee with a load of chocolate during the day. Yeah. And then binge eat at night or pick up a takeaway. Yeah, yeah, Whereas, I know. Whereas now I'm cooking. I'm cooking for And gradually time. over the years, of course, slowly but surely it just piles on. Well, like in 15 July, so every year past 43, it was just another stone, it was just another stone and just another stone. And I had various back issues um, that I couldn't exercise, whereas now, like, I I, uh, I haven't rolled back 10 years, I've rolled back 20 years. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it yeah. amazing? And also you're saying that there are there is a lower insurance criteria now where mm-hmm. health insurers will step in for gastric yeah. bypass. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the first thing to do is you go to your GPs. And actually, when I went to my my GP back um, last, it was before the lockdown, actually. And I said to her, I said, don't kill me now. But I'm thinking of a gastric bypass. She goes, Sharon, I'm not going to kill you. She said, I've just come from a conference where they're educating GPs now on the benefits of bariatric surgery where it'll improve the patient's life where they won't become sick and basically clog up the health system. Yeah, I know. And she kind of looked at me as if she said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And I said, Margaret, it's fine. I know where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 But it's anyway, crazy. listen, um, I'm not anybody's judge and jury, but if you're paying into health insurance year in, year out, you know, use it if you can, you know? Oh, yeah, but look, they have... I mean, I mean clearly a healthy lifestyle is a better option, but, you know, when, when needs must, you know, that's what it's there for. Well, that's what it's there for, but it wasn't recognised really in Ireland where the likes of me documented my journey now. Like Dr. Boyle told me, there's people looking at my journey in the healthcare profession and in the health insurance profession going, look at this girl, do you know? And that's like, I've no problem sharing my journey and if it helps a person, it helps a person. Well, because as well as the weight loss, it also has lengthened your life, hasn't it? Oh, 100%. No, like everything in life, Neil, anything could happen. I could get, you know, injured crossing the road. Ah, well, or, I, know, I you know, accept that. But all on. of the health implications of carrying the amount of weight that you had. Yeah. And you, do, do you look back at old photographs now and wonder, my God, was that me? Oh, my God, do I what? Yeah. And, and actually, I have great friends. My best friend, Trish, for years would take pictures where I duck in and out. I didn't want pictures of me. I know, yeah. uh, She kept them all. So thanks, Trish. So she sent me all those pictures, you know, when I started looking for pictures of me at my heaviest. Um, but even now, you know, for me, six months before to now, I'm kind of going, wow. But do you not miss you know? a big treat, though? Like a big plate or a visit to the chipper or a pizza that you're all your own, no? But, but you see, Neve, that's the thing. I can have them. So, like, if I have, my, my husband might get a pizza now. Now, I was never a pizza person. Yeah, but whatever but, would be your go-to food, you know? Oh, my God, fish and food chips is, um, yeah, I love fish and chips. Yeah, no, I can order battered fish and I would get my chips. I may have about two chips, but <laughs> my food tastes, tastes different and I would get two half the fish, but I'm totally satisfied then. Like, that's my, that's my full. You know, I'm full. I can drink away. I can have my cocktails, my corn star martinis, my red wine. You can't um, even, yeah, but you'd only have a glass or half a glass or a thimble full of it. Um, when I started off, no, Neil, it was like a few sips. Whereas now, say, three glasses of wine now and I'm, I'm well on my way, like, <laughs> okay. you know. But, <laughs> but at least there's no more cauliflower rice, which is an awful oh, thing. Oh, no. Jesus, no, I agree with you on that now. <laughs> no, I do, my, I do my boiled rice and sushi and, yeah, no, I have. The oh, only God, thing that's worse. I can't understand anybody's love of sushi. I think it's shocking stuff. I and know. plain rice is as bad. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. There's no, no taste off no. either of them. 
Jesus, Neil, boy, you from Cork at all? Did I, you ever have your type in Jasheen? Uh, yeah, no, I've tried that a few times, and it isn't for the one to trying, I can tell you. I mean, I just can't do it, but there's nothing mm. at all Cork about sushi and boiled rice, I can tell you. Yeah, no, it's a poshnary treat, Neil. <laughs> poshnary is not. Uh, oh yeah, no, God. but all jokes aside, it's been the best thing that I've ever done for myself. And, um, and actually, when I started growing my Instagram uh, post last uh, January, there was hardly anybody from Ireland and Cork doing it whereas now there's a lot more people I'm delighted that you did share it because it will give an awful lot of courage to people and also optimism and positive uh, you know maybe life changing events for people by seeing others change their journey I have a bit of news for you though right so you're down you're down eight stone since we spoke last last year have a Mm -hmm. listen to this chap Daniel who beats you he's down 11 stone in nine months joins me hold on a second Daniel morning how are you, kid? Congratulations. Yeah, thanks very much. You Thank must you. you must be very proud of your achievement. How'd you do it? Um, look, I started um, my weight last year was in March. Um, March last year. Um, I started a motivation based in Balacolic. Yeah. And um, basically, um, I was just held for letters since then, like, you know, since March last year. Oh, do you mind me asking um, what your starting weight was? I was 28 stone, one pound. Wow. That's well big, lad. You. That's big, isn't it, Sharon? Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was, it was come to the stage that my breathing was affected. Um, mm. I, my walking distance wasn't great. But I built myself up. I started small every day. But um, the pressure on your walk. knees and your hips and your heart must have been shocking. Yeah, look, as I say, my breathing was affected from it, like... Um, Were you able to work? Look, Were you going out to work every day? I, yeah, absolutely. I would never stop working. <laughs> That's just me. Was um, it physical work, but, though, or were you sitting around or what? I was, um, I was driving buses. That's what, that was my job, so it probably didn't help me really at the time. Yeah, um, sedentary life. And how did it creep up to 28 stone? Because you're a young lad. I got comfortable. I just got comfortable mm. in my situation and everything, like, you know, and look, I look back and I know when I realised what was they waiting for, what was they waiting for. No, I, I walk every day, I walk miles every day, in morning, evening. Um, but you must have had to give up and get rid of so much of your old life, you know, food. I did, but it was all bad, like, so, look, it was all negative, like, it was all negative, like, so... Everything I do know is a positive outcome on it, so it's, well done. it makes a big, big, big difference to my life, like, and a massive yeah. difference. It's incredible. So, um, over the course of nine months, I think you said, was it? 11 yeah, stone, months, which yeah. is over a stone yeah. a month. I mean, it must have fallen off at the start, did it? Yeah, but look, me, that's really, like, the bigger you are, the more weight you're going to lose towards start. Like, yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like it is, like, you know, like, if someone needed to lose two or three stone, they're obviously going to, it's going to be a slower process for them. But I will never go back down that road again. Like, this only onwards and upwards though for me because I'll never go back there. I'm not trying out, I think. I think I threw another bag of clothes yesterday. I think it's four or five bags of clothes I've thrown out so far. Well, I've seen so, I've seen the suit you were wearing 12 months ago. There's one particular blue suit. Was that at a wedding? Yeah, you know, sometimes my buddy, uh, my buddy TJ's wedding, and um, we had a fantastic day. Um, That's a big suit, though. Suit. Yeah, that, no, that was, that was a different suit. <laughs> um, 
But the, the, the slimmer suit that I'm in, that was my first suit that I ever bought myself. I know, I see, because uh, I've seen uh, photographs of two suits. One is you with the thumbs up and you've got a flower in your in your lapel. Yeah, that and was a different wedding. Yeah, that's that a, a big wedding. suit now. And then there's another one there they where you're in, you're in a very tight-fitting slick suit, really looking fit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like one I of those footballers you see hanging out. You know, <laughs> when he's yeah, I, felt, I felt fantastic that day, to be honest with you. I felt great. Like, you know, I felt like, you know, I worked hard for that moment, like, and it was all worth it, like, you know. Isn't it true? Yeah, you deserve it. Yeah. And tell me, you know, did you have to tone up then? Did you do a lot of weight? Weight? Um, look, I, I had to lose weight for a job that I'm currently in at the moment, and um, I kind of had a, that, that was my kind of target kind of thing to do that, like, you know, and basically... I am. Um, you were getting a new job in Bossera, I think, and needed to get the weight down. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I had to pass my medical, like, you know, so, and that was a big target for me and a big thing to achieve in my life, like, cause it was something I always wanted for myself, like, for my future, like, you know. That's fantastic. I was asking uh, Sharon there a while ago, what's your, how are your friends reacting to the huge weight loss? Yeah, look, a lot of people haven't seen me in a while, like, you know, and I suppose the whole COVID thing, people haven't seen me, and it was. It was a big shock to people, like, you know. But at the end of the day, Neil, it's for me and me only, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to want it yourself. You have to. Like, for me, over the last over the last nine months, I wanted this more than anything. More than anything, I wanted this so much. And I pushed, I really pushed myself really hard. I really made a massive effort to do this, like, you know. What do you feel, um, Sharon, when you hear the likes of Daniel? Because he put in, I'm not saying that you didn't amazing. clearly, but he put in fierce hard work to get down 11 stone. Uh, others would get a gastric band and it just kind of happens yeah. naturally. Um, no, amazing. I'm listening to him. I can hear it in his voice. I can hear it in his words. Like, you're motivated. You're, you, your head is there. Absolutely, your face. Yeah. And like, like motivation, like gastric bypass, like Slim World, whatever, they're all tools. And unless you use your tool, it's not going to work. So, like, Daniel, you've done it. I can hear it in your mindset. Like, you want this more than life itself. And for me, this is more than life itself. And I work my ass off as well with this tool. Um, And it's it's continuity, isn't it, Daniel? You know, it's continuity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. We all have our own journeys and we all take our own paths. But the most important thing is, we do what we're happy, you know. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, we want it, yeah. and that's it. Like you, you know? weren't, you weren't well, happy. You weren't happy with your size, clearly. Oh, absolutely not. I felt different. To everyone, I felt very different. It, it ruined my life. To be honest with you, it actually ruined. Did you my feel life. very self-conscious about the weight you did? Yeah, I didn't want to do anything. I wouldn't want to go out anywhere. I just, yeah. I want to be away from the world and just suffer, basically. Like you know, and that's and that's what I was doing to myself. I was making myself suffer, but. No more. And kind of food and drink were a comfort, Daniel, wasn't it? Like food and drink yeah. was kind of your comfort, you know? Yeah, it was yeah. Well, drink, like, drink yeah. was never my problem. I, I was never yeah. much of a drinker, really. But it was food, eating the wrong things, eating the wrong times. Yeah. Um, just things like that, like coming in from work and just eat, get a takeaway, eating mm. too much bread. It's just, you know, these stupid things I look back at and see realize what were they waiting and for? Then like, the weight com- they and then the weight then compounds that even more, doesn't it? Sure. It yeah. does. Like it, does. it does. Fair play yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Fair it play does. And actually, um, I done 
motivation years ago as well, Daniel, and um, I still have their books and their tapes, you know, and yeah. a lot of my diet, you now working with my dietitian in the Bonds Dermot, um, a lot of what I would eat, you know, most protein, more protein-based, uh, yeah. it, there's very similarities in them, whereas obviously you, know, you can eat a little bit more than what I would be able to tolerate, but uh, yeah. fair play to you. Do you I try other diets before that, Daniel? Um, yeah, I've, I've tried things like slim fast. I've been up and down weight, like, you know, and I would get so far and, you know, it's kind of like, to me, the way I felt anyway, it's like, how much do you want it? I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror and I say to myself, how much do you want it by? How much do you want it? It's freezing outside, it's raining. I don't care. Get out and go for a walk. Just do it. Just go, 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 go. And when you start you know? seeing the results, then, of course, that drives you on. Do you mind me asking how old you are now? I forty-two now. Fair play, because you look like someone in, the, in his late twenties. Yeah, yeah, forty-two now. Yeah. I say you're a right slim. Years me. Thirty years without it. You look like a right. Yeah. I'd say you're a right slim fit behind the big wheel of the bus now. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I feel. I feel normal. I feel some bit normal. Either. But I have another look. I have another two stone to go. And I, uh, when I was losing weight there, I had to lose weight rather than build muscle because yeah. I had to be down weight. Yeah. The bar mm-hmm. fat. Yeah. So, yeah. look, now it's going to be walking out in the gym and stuff there, like, and stuff like that, like, you know, and just, I enjoy the walking, you know, I find it's great for the mind as well, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I love sharpens it. the body, it sharpens it. the mind, yeah, it's a new you. Yeah. Listen, and it's, it's a lot easier, yeah. Daniel, isn't it? It's a lot easier now with that weight lot to go for that walk or even up that hill. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. yeah. yeah. And, and even you're probably, you're, you're not struggling to buy clothes anymore now. No, 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 no. Um, I, before I used to order all my stuff online, um, I'm actually wearing, I'm actually wearing a dressing gown this morning in my house, and it's like about 20 times too big for me. <laughs> but uh, it's my old dressing gown, but it's a comfortable one. It's a comfortable one. Hold on to that as a reminder, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, great to catch up with both of you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Sharon. Best of luck going yeah, forward. Thank you very much. Happy New Thanks. Year. Happy New Year. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye. Calling Red FM Studio. Call the new number 0818104106. Yes, indeedy. Don't forget that new number 0818104106. Everything else remains the same. Same text number, same WhatsApp. Text 0868. 104, 106. Happy New Year to you all. I hope you all had a great Christmas. I got home to Cork on Christmas Eve for a few days for a surprise visit, says Pat. And it's always lovely being back on Leaside. I thought the city wasn't looking so bright, though. Apart from the people from Cher and a beautiful tree on Patrick Street, I thought the city looked void of atmosphere. Maybe it's times we live in, but it was disappointing. Hopefully Cork will recover and indeed the country this year. Catch up soon. Stay safe, you guys, says Pat. That's not the first time I heard that in the past few weeks. There was some criticism in the lead up to Christmas that many of the shops inside in town, and much of them owned by overseas companies, didn't make a huge effort. In fact, somebody said to me, if it wasn't for the window of BT, certainly during the day, it wasn't for Brown Thomas. You wouldn't have thought that it was Christmas at all. I thought Oliver Plunkett Street looked absolutely beautiful. And many of the windows there were done. Keynes was gorgeously done in places like that. But, uh, you know, maybe that there's also a lot of construction going on at the moment. And there's a lot of scaffolding up. You see the scaffolding up around the, the Victoria Hotel. It seems to be there for an age. I don't know how much work is being done in there. And, of course, you've got a lot of development going on. And that doesn't look the best. But I suppose you have to... 
Uh, bear that in mind if we want us to take a step forward with regards to building or making it a better city. But not everybody. I mean, I was in town yesterday, and you know, it was it wasn't the nicest day in the in the calendar, but it was because uh, it was a cold day. But at least it was dry, and I like just tipping around and you know checking out the city and bumping into people. Uh, mind you, unfortunately, the topic of conversation all too often happens to be COVID. I met a buddy of mine and all he wanted to talk about was the next variant. I was like, would you, would you stop the next variant? <laughs> Just deal with what we have right now. But anyway, more on that maybe another time. Text 0868104106. Uh, putting up the price of drink, Neil, will not stop an alcoholic from getting drink. That's a fact. If an alcoholic needs or wants to drink, they will go to any lengths to go and get it. What needs what needs doing is more help and treatment for alcoholism and drug addiction. Well, you never said a true word. Uh, that's coming from someone who's been there and thank God in recovery one day at a time. So I am. Great show. Thanks, guys. This is just another excuse to get more money for the government. It will be more in their line to put more supports in place for people most people in active addiction are kind, loving people underneath the addiction itself. Another one on that. The chap you had on from the rehab centre, Kun Vera, you never ask the question, no one will ask. How do these centres expect people to get sober if living on the streets? You have to be sober, drinking drugs for, I think, 60 days before you'll be admitted. Neil, many people cannot stay sober for a day. If they could, they wouldn't need the services. Why do you need to clean, be clean and sober for such a long period of time to get into residential care? I have to hold my hand up. That is an excellent point. I didn't address it when I was talking to Michael from Coonborough, and I apologize for it, but you make a very, very good point. Morning, Neil. Uh, a quick note on schools reopening. In our local primary school, visitors to the school are strictly restricted, and rightly so. Uh, but in our local school, I was very annoyed to hear my child tell me that the local parish priest is a regular visitor enrolling children to do the readings at Sunday Mass. The same priest then spends his days calling to local parishioners, many of whom are elderly. This is my opinion, and it's completely unsafe in the current situation, as he could easily be the one that's the carrier with many close contacts. I hope the principals will put a stop to this immediately on health and safety grounds. And that by text to 0868104106. And yes, there are restrictions in, in nursing homes. My brother-in-law has just gone into Douglas Nursing Home. No visiting. Phone only or look in the window. I think it's a disgrace. Loneliness will kill a person quicker than COVID will, says Frick by text. 0868104106. I've just seen an incredible video, but rather than describe it to you, I said I go to the family that actually filmed it. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. So the video I'm seeing is literally water pouring down through the ce- the ceilings and down through the fixtures and fittings of the lights. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that a corporation house? Yeah, it is. And where's the water coming from? It's just, it's like raining indoors. It's coming from the bathroom. Is it a leak somewhere? There, there was a leak. The toilet bowl was loose. And when the grandchildren sat in the toilet and it went sideways. So water and everywhere? Yeah, okay. everywhere, yeah. Okay. And how long has that gone on? Oh, Honest, no, I put in a complaint about four weeks before Christmas. It happened as well, and Norma came up to me, and then this happened then Christmas night. And is it and happening then, now? No, they come up since it was this day, right. and bought it, put no bolt on the toilet to keep the toilet down. And has it and stopped it now? It stopped it now, yeah. yeah. God, I mean, that must have been a dangerous place to be over Christmas, like switching on and off lights. Well, they turn off my electricity that night, turn off my water, and we were told that. I asked 
But the copperation never came out that night. There's a fire brigade come out and turned everything off. So I thought the emergency service be out from the copperation. What night was that? Was it over the Christmas, Christmas night? Oh, for Christmas God. Have you small kids in the house and everything? I have, yes. Can't have been much of a Christmas day. No, then, no. I had to leave the house with five of them and three might stay in the house. Because oh. we had no electricity and we had no water. And what about all of the Santi stuff? Did it all get soaked? No, my sitting was fine. It came from, from my bathroom out to my landing, out to the hall, out to my porch, kind of somewhere along inside my kitchen. And that was it. So the, the fire brigade rightly shut down all power Christmas everything, Day. Everything, yeah, everything. Yeah. What did you do yeah. then for Christmas dinner? Oh, we had our dinner. This happened, that's what happened that night. So the we dinner had our was dinner finished. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Stephen's yeah. Day? Stephen's Day, I ended up staying my sister that night with five of my kids. Three might stay in the house because they'd know where to stay. And I came back since Stephen's Day and about half to two, three o'clock, the corporation put my electricity back on. Then they'd be back with humidifiers and there's nothing done about it. Oh, is the house destroyed now? Well, the hall, stairs landing, the walls, the ceilings, the bathroom floor, they're all rushing like. Yeah, sometimes you'd be, I mean, sometimes you'd be as well off trying to get a plumber yourself. Uh, yeah. I would if I'd be able to afford it, being honest with you. Well, they charge you, but they charge you 70 euro before they come in the door at all, let's say. I know, that's the thing you say. So you could be looking at 150, 200 euro before they repair it. If they need a part or something, it's not cheap. No, I didn't. No. My God, I mean, it was... No, it's awful. just to put it out there, that it's gone on for months. My first complaint went in in January 16th. Where are you living? The Glen. Okay. The Glen, yeah. So have, been been the, have there been other issues with the house in 16? Oh, loads. Jesus, loads. Is it an old house? It's one of the old corporation houses. They're over 50 years old. And no, no, is there any maintenance done on a house that's 50 years old? No, nothing, nothing. Not a thing in this house, no. What other problems? My rat fell off the wall going back in February inside my sitting room. It leaked and it rotted off my wall. The rat came off the wall. The wall fell down. They come up two weeks before Christmas, put the rat back on the wall, put plasterboard up, was supposed to come back to plaster, it never came back. I never all heating since February. And are many and of no- the residents near you are in the same situation in the Glen? There's a lot of places on there with dampness, suffer from dampness in their houses. And the windows are the main problem in the houses here. Anybody with asthma or chronic problems with lungs or anything like that? Myself. I'd see OPD myself. Is that from living conditions or smoking or a combination of both? Or a bit of both, I'd say, yeah. yeah. yeah but is it damp there all the time? Yeah, constantly, yeah. Constantly. And is there any talk at all about them being demolished or rebuilt or being moved? Nothing. Not, no, I'm not even looking for a transport. Do you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Oh, I know I, that, I, but I, like a 50-year-old house where there's no maintenance done on it. No, there's not done to these houses, no. No. Yeah. no. I mean, you're paying your rent every week, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, what a tough Christmas it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm lucky, you're lucky that nobody got electrocuted. I know. Because I said to the fire brigade that night, I said, I said, well, am I supposed to have the next electricity and think that the corporation would be up to me? And they were very kind of, um, they put across being smart, like candles. <laughs> I said, like candles? I said, that's a safety hazard. I said, we don't in the house. And they just walked them in that position. I know, I know. Well, I suppose that's a different area to them. They just need to make it safe and secure and turn the power off. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen next? What are the winters like? I don't know. But we've no heating here now since February. February the 16th. They took my rad off the wall, capped my rad, and my rad only went down there two weeks before Christmas. But the, but the rest and of the house is heating, does it? No, none of the house. My heating's off. 
For a year? Since February. Since February. There's a Norma coming up to me. They're telling me this, they're telling me that. There's Teddy saying they're doing this, they're doing that. And I get no satisfaction. But how... Like, it's cold now. We all it's need to heat How do you How do you live in a freezing house with the, the family? I'm in the sitting with an open fire. But does the but what about the bedrooms? What about it? But yeah, they're your landlord. I'm on trips since February. I the car corporation out. The engineers out. The what do you do people. for hot water? Boil kettle. A shower, a bath. Oh, the shower, I've left the shower. I've left the shower. But are you not cold all the time in the winter? Like this morning, for instance. Freezing. I put the cooker on in the kitchen <laughs> for the heat. Ah, <laughs> oh, Michelle. I mean, that's, I that is not yeah, it's acceptable. Gone, it's gone beyond a joke. I was told now yesterday by a TD, the was the heat just passed up to me yesterday for the bedrooms to find the house. But why, can't so, they just, why don't they just repair the heating system? All I want done is my ceiling's done, my walls done, my windows done. I'm not looking for a transfer because I'm here 25 years. I don't want to move from the Glen. I just want the house to be maintained. Of course you do, and you want your heating system to work in the winter. Yeah. It's it's going to get down to minus three or four tonight. I know, I know. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, I call it Baltic is an understatement. Okay, yeah. can we put in? Can we put in a call on your behalf? Of course you can. Anyone right. who can help me, I'd be delighted. All right, okay. Let's see if it makes a difference. All right, I'll be back to you. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, Michelle, take care for now. Cheers. Text 0868104106 if you can beat that. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. That's exactly what Sean did. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. From much earlier on this morning, I chatted with uh, Paddy Bullman, um, who was out in Tenerife. And his defense now, bear in mind, he's not vaccinated, but for him to get on a plane, he needs a PCR test. But so why have you got an issue with that? Oh, I don't have an issue with that at all. I have an issue with you. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel... I listened to Paddy. I could hear what he was saying. And I, I was struck by the fact that you didn't challenge his selfishness in the way he's living his life at the moment. You know, flying back and forth to Spain, uh, burning up huge carbon credits, and we all have to come to recognise that our days of flying hither and thither are over really, do you know? Uh, I'd like to go to Spain just like everybody yeah. else. Now, if, if I did, you, I'd go you, by ferry. But you could, though, if you, if you wanted to. I could. I could. And I choose not to because I'm a grandfather. I have I kids coming in out of me. I don't want to spread the virus. I make the sort of sacrifice at the moment. It's no big deal. But I'm curtailing my life in the public interest. And I was appalled that you didn't challenge Paddy on that. Paddy is living as one would have lived 10 years ago, before the COVID and before the climate crisis has become clear to us. And, like, the selfishness. Like, who does he think he is? Well, he... he, I I wouldn't necessarily challenge him because I don't think that people should be curtailed from travel. If they follow the protocols and the advice and the regulations, it, it's kind of as simple as that for me. Yeah, I'm afraid it's a bit nuanced, more nuanced for me. Yeah. Um, like, I know friends of mine have been travelling, and I have this debate with them all the time. It, it's just, as the society, we need to become aware that everything we do has an effect. And that kind of lifestyle of tripping back and forth to Spain three or four times a year has a huge effect. And then at the other extreme, you had the lady that you were just talking to who's trying to get by on fairly minimal energy 
you know, and who's suffering, I'd say, you know, a certain degree of hardship. And it's all down to expectations. I think, as a society, we have to really examine our expectations. No, it's an interesting point. You're saying all of our expectations are luxury requirements need to be put on hold. And for many, it has been for two years. But for others, then, they need a bit of sunshine, you know? Well, they do and they don't, in the sense that I grew up on the north side in Dillon's Cross in the 1950s. And I remember going to school with fellas who had no underwear and no socks. And in some cases they had to forfeit their breakfast in order to get shoes to get to school because if they stayed to have their breakfast, their older brothers would take the shoes off them. Yeah. So I'm coming from that kind of milieu or that kind of background where people sometimes have to go against their kind of selfish instincts and, oh, I need a break. Well, I need a break, yeah, you know? Yeah. There's nothing unique about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think really, I suppose really... The reason I contacted you is I feel that it is the duty of media people sometimes to reflect. Your man's jumping up and down because the PCR is costing too much way over in Tenerife. Grand for him. But, like, that is so out of proportion with the hardship people are going through. I have friends who've lost businesses. I have people who have slow, friends who have slow COVID. They got it last February. They're still not recovered. You know, it's kind of wake up and smell the coffee. No, I, I we mean, are living in a different reality. And you're than putting we did it in perspective. Yeah, you're putting it in perspective, and it's a different society to say fifty years ago. Who, but who would want to go back to those days of the nineteen fifties? Nobody, nobody, nobody's arguing that. But I'm talking about expectations. People's expectations are just gone out of control. But that jet, know? somebody's texting here saying that jet will fly. Never mind the carbon footprint; it'll fly with or without the likes of you and me. Well, maybe as well, but it'll only do that for so long. They, you know, Ryanair will only run empty planes for so long. They're a business, you know. Like, we do, one by one, each individual have to figure out where do we stand on the issues that face us as a civilization. In the immediate thing, we have to face this COVID thing, which will pass. It always passes. Then we have to be chucked into climate change. Now I'm 71, so it won't affect me. Mm. So, in a selfish point of view, I could fly all around the place and burn mm-hmm. up as much energy as I like. Who gives a shit? You know, I'd be mm-hmm. dead and gone. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not a mature but way for to climate change. No, but for climate change, you shouldn't have to forego a sun holiday once a year. I mean, if if you want to really get serious about it, you want to be getting more serious about all of the people, particularly younger generations, who are buying everything up online and okay, also no. contributing massive. Absolutely, to I agree. You not, know, not somebody I mean, who's going to Tenerife fashion. for a fortnight, like. Well, well, you see, you said once a year, like, you couldn't argue with that. But this man seemed to be, this is, seems like his third or fourth trip since well, last I, September. I don't know that he said, maybe he did, he said that. He's moving to Spain, for God's sake, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And have and you again, have you curtailed everything? Are you saying the same about somebody who might book a seat in a pub for a pint or no, get in and out before no, 8 o'clock? Different, different ball game altogether. But seeing as you raised it, the way we are consuming stuff has to stop. You know, people buying clothes, wearing them once or twice and chucking them out. I mean, if you trace back, what's his name, Mick Clifford there, you know, the examiner man. Yes. He traced back the cost of a Christmas jumper. He traced it right back to its origins and who was being paid. And tell us about that, if you don't mind. Go on, what did you find? Well, he found basically that the cost of a a Christmas jumper, which is only worn once or twice a year, in terms of water, 
in terms of exploitation of people, in terms of use of energy, was just, like, outrageous. Yeah, but that, okay, so that's a Christmas jumper. But what about the seasonality of food, where we're eating things out of season because they're being flown in from all over the world? South America, for instance, for a lot of our green veg. What about Amen all that? that I would seriously question that. I would seriously question whether it's okay for me to walk into Tesco's or wherever and buy a bunch of strawberries. Should you be able to get a strawberry any time of the year, for instance? Well, should. You know, like... I, I'm against shoulds and I'm really against rules because rules break, come in when common sense breaks down. Yeah. I personally, myself, have made the choice that I won't avail of those things. Yeah. Right? Now, I'd love strawberries, you know, at Christmas just like everybody else. I mean, I have the same human uh, greed and human needs and desires like everybody else. But fortunately, through my education, through my upbringing, through my work in Africa for years, I can realize we can't go on like this yes. forever. Yes, 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 yes. Things are just going to burst. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about Africa. What took you there? Well, I was very fortunate. As I said, I grew up on the north side in Dillon's Cross, and there was only two of us in the family, and my father had a regular job. He was in the army. And right from the word go, I was aware that I was very privileged and I was very lucky. Yeah. And that I was looked after in a way that I could see that my buddies weren't. Yeah. So when the lad's going to work, going to school hungry, for instance. Absolutely. I mean, we won't wallow in it now, but it was there and people can read up both if they want to. So when 72 came around, I had my degree and I had my HDIP. I felt this, I felt a number of things. Number one was I felt a kind of a, an obligation is too strong, but an urge to to give back a bit, right? Mm. And also, I wanted to get away from my parents, and I wanted to get away from Ireland as well, you know? Yeah. Immigrants will never admit that, but it's great to get out of Ireland. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd have a bit, bit right? of wanderlust, yeah. So I spent three years working away out in Western Province in Zambia, which, like, was very character forming for me because I saw people like taking old car tires and making sandals out of them and I saw the poverty that was routine and I remember coming home in 75, in April 75 and I walked up Blarney Street on the day the bins were being put out. Now Blarney Street isn't the most salubrious area of Cork but I was amazed at the amount of stuff and this was 1975 remember now. Waste you're talking about. Yeah good stuff being chucked out and I can remember thinking gee because the boys in Monza could have used that stuff yeah, you know? know so there's this huge global north-south imbalance yeah. because of communications because of media we're more aware of everything and because of that I think we have a duty we're lucky in this country I mean people give out about the price of drink is going up and leaving the country there's very few countries you can walk around as, as an elderly couple and walk around at night safe there's very few countries where you can be stopped by a police uh, road check and be reasonably sure that you're going to be reasonably civilised and you won't have to produce money in your back pocket. Do you, do you believe so that Cork City After Dark would be a safe place for somebody to walk? I think so. It depends. Well, obviously, it depends on where you go. If you live here, you know where to go and you know where not to go. All I'm saying is Ireland is a good country to live in despite all our... Uh, 
trials and tribulations and our incompetence. But people can't buy a house. People can't even rent a house. We have a broken health system. We have fuel costs gone through the roof. I oh. needn't tell me about it. I have uh, daughters and, and, and grandchildren out people there. People pay hustling. more tax than they ever did before. And we've all of these extra stealth taxes. How is it I, such a great country with all of that? Well, it depends on what you compare it with, right? Uh, you take any country in Africa and you certainly go for Ireland. You can take any country in Asia in the overall, mm. you know? Mm. Um, like it's got so bad here, you can't even rent a house. Mm. Mm. You literally can't go out and rent a house. And do you, do you, somebody's wondering, do you eat meat with regards no, to... No, no. Is that because of again, a carbon emission yeah. as well? Again, indeed. Again, again, I made a decision. No, I love a lamb chop like everybody else. Okay? I'm nuts for them when I can get them. Like my idea of a dirty weekend would be when my wife goes away, go up to a McDonald's and have a lash into a burger. <laughs> but by and large, I have chosen to reduce my meat consumption to almost zero and I've been living that way for 20 years right. and I'm, thank God I have the acre of pain I can stand out here in my back garden and man talk to you and certainly there is no defect from, from, from my dietary reduction well, of listen. red meat in fact the European Commission came out yesterday and said that it was a cancer causing agent which of course threw the farmers into a spanner but uh, yeah. that's, for, that's for another day I'm so delighted you called because it's been a pleasure talking to you maybe people will respond to some of the things we had to say but thanks for taking the call a lot of food for thought there Cheers, Neil, just, just to say that I'd like if you sometimes challenge people like you have this very admirable trait of, of empathising with the with the caller, you know, and usually people have problems. So you're, you're, you're I, I, I did, I did ask him whether it was a good idea to be travelling unvaccinated. So give me some credit there. Yeah. Well, however, I, I, yeah. I mean, on the, on the case of Paddy's conversation, I am not going to tell anybody who has a PCR tested going out of the country, PCR tested coming back in, antigened up to their eyeballs, mm. whether or not they can travel or not. I'm just not going to do it. Mm. Yeah. Well, you see, I'm not talking about musts and shoulds and laws I'm talking about each individual over a period of time thinking about these things and thinking for the sake of my grandchildren in particular that they will survive on the planet because right. I studied this in 72 All right. and I was made aware of it okay. and we're facing some big changes I'm ok my you. friend lovely chatting with you I'm over Thank time you. thanks Sean take Good care of yourself you. you too lines will stay open text 0868104106 email neil at redfm.ie get involved in the conversation pick up the phone on 0818104106 but most importantly have a good day I'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content